our sponsor from the Artificial Shoulder Pocket and Asymmetric Technologies, Brian Borkowski. Welcome in, Brian. Thanks, Martin. Thanks for having me, man. It's good to be here. It's my show. Can't miss it. Absolutely, man. And uh, we're, what, two weeks uh, since SHOT Show now? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, finally recovering, basically. You know, the follow-ups recovered. You know, I don't know. Yeah, I still haven't recovered yet. I'm still I'm ready to go back. I'm still jet-lagged. <laughs> For some reason. Well, you got delayed, didn't you? Do what? You got delayed coming back that beastly storm, right? Yeah, it wasn't too bad, though. It only, it only put us back like a couple hours. So some folks have got taken back a whole day. Yeah, some, some got like two two or three days, I think. Really. My wife wouldn't believe that story. <laughs> she wouldn't have shooting about that. Babies. No, I couldn't leave Vegas. <laughs> She's like, get away from the craps table, dude. <laughs> no, but it was a good time. We won a little money at the craps table. Yes, we did. Guys, it's got like a, uh, you've, you've flown before, right? 
and so nice. It's so special there. Oh, yeah. You gotta check them out. U.S. Seasog. That's the uh, U.S. Correctional Special Operations Group. Senior Team Leader Garcia, baby. His son's actually in town uh, in my area here the next few days. We're going to hook up and have lunch today. Yeah, I got to meet him uh, at the show this year, too. Uh, it was good. Make sure you say hello for me. I'll do it. Definitely will. So, what else we need to talk about? Do you want to talk anything about asymmetrics? Are you guys still doing the training and advisory work? Yeah, we still got some guys overseas. Um, they're, they're sitting in the desert, uh, you know, kind of flexing to wherever they're needed. I got a few guys doing that still. Um, we're we've been working really heavy in the drone area. That's really been taking most of our time. Um, and what everybody hears drones are all over the place. But, uh, you know, we've been we working more on the industrial side of it, trying to bring that concept of uh, how to use drones into the uh, industrial electric railroads, stuff like that. That's really where our post has been drones. Yeah. And uh, on the other side, we've been doing a lot of sensor work, uh, building sensors for government customers. Uh, basically, just in keeping bad guys out of places. And uh, so we've been doing some work there, generally going to those. But uh, that's fun stuff. That's, that's honestly cool. what I like to do the best. Um, you know, and anytime you get to go shooting uh, as a part of that, <laughs> or on the side of Usually what happens is we go test our sensors um, down in the land that you've been down to. Um, we'll go out there, test sensors all day, and then some part of that we'll all go shoot, you know, either at the end of the day or at lunch hour or something like that. So uh, it, it keeps us out, keeps us shooting. So that, I was say, that kind of goes hand in hand. If, uh, you know, somebody's tripping your perimeter, you got to shoot back at them, you know. you got to shoot them. So you got to shoot <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you got to know how to shoot So we get a lot of fire going. <laughs> I justify it, you know. <laughs> I justify that expenditure. There you go. Are we? It's good for morale, too. Are we having another big birthday shoot this year? We are doing it, man. We are doing the first annual machine gun shoot for Asymmetric. And I mean, I had an absolute blast. And uh, uh, I, I think everybody came in fun. I think it's going to be bigger and better this year. Yeah, it was awesome. What was really cool, too, is you had that drone there and you were doing the, the infrared. Images. Yeah, we also did some other things. We were doing some testing with the drones, thermals, and we were doing like gun drops, so hot drops. So you shot it, you threw the gun in the woods real quick and ran away, right? Yeah. So you bring the drone over, and, and the drone, you know, man, that thing's just lighting up. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, track them real easy with that. Yeah, it would be real easy if somebody shot it and dumped it. Uh, I've got a good video of your wife going nuts on the uh, M19. Yeah, that, 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 that is probably my favorite. Um, that, that was great. She just got on it and she stayed on it. And oh, yeah. That whole belt and uh, that, that, the grin at the end is the best. <laughs> just the grin through the whole thing is just like, ah. She's like, I mean, it's probably just a model star. You know, there are people who have never shot fully automatic before. There are people of all experience level and everybody was kind of hanging out and having fun. There are people there who have never shot a gun. I always feel sorry for those people because their first experience were some fully automatic. <laughs> That's the best way to get them acclimated to the farm for fully auto. Yeah, man, we had all kinds of people. Yeah, it was cool. And I remember the uh, there was a kid there. I think he might have been oh, 13 or 14. And yeah, that's my He shot that 50 cowboy and that grin on his face after that. First, his eyes just got you know bigger than. Freaking barrel, and then after that grin, it was priceless. 
right, brother. Thank you so much. And if you get a headset, I think we'll uh, we'll, we'll be able to have you on even more often. Maybe uh, we'll be seeing Brian as a frequent guest host. Nordic Components is an American-owned manufacturing company proud to produce quality products right here in the USA. As a company, we continually invest in our manufacturing capabilities to ensure that all of our products are the highest quality and most efficiently produced parts available. The Nordic Components business consists of two segments, manufacturing and sales. Our manufacturing business works to provide custom machine components for a variety of applications with our specialty being firearm components. The sales business produces lines of branded firearm accessories to enhance and elevate the shooting experience. We are a company owned and operated by individuals devoted to shooting sports, and many of us shoot competitively. We attend and sponsor a number of events around the country each year where we listen to you, the consumer, and are proud to say that all of our firearm components are a direct result of your input. As a firearms accessory provider, our aim is simple. Provide shooting enthusiasts with innovative products of uncompromising performance and reliability. Nordic Components. Check us out at nordiccomp.com. All right, guys. Welcome back to the 2016 SHOT Show. I'm your host, Left Hand. Ha ha. Sponsored by the artificial... I edit this stuff, so... (laughs) Sponsored by the artificial shoulder pocket, the ASP, ASP. Co. Check them out. Today is the last day of SHOT Show, and uh, we've wrangled up some stragglers that we've been trying to get since day one. We've got our good buddy Ron Bellin from Reaper Outdoors, Reaper 01. Are you giving your name out? Yeah, Ron Bellin. Okay. Yeah, you did. All right, all right. Yeah. Reaper's always good, too. Reaper, yeah. Are, are you doing the numbers? He's got an update for you guys. We'll get into that in a minute. Yeah. What? Your cords up. <laughs> That's Brian. Pop the gun up. Yeah. Yeah. 
and just kind of grew from there. Just people. Yeah, well, we did a limited. We did a limited run of those just to make it special, and we did 99 of them. And then we ended up kind of continuing on and did a Warrior series, um, a billeted Warrior series of high quality AR-15s. And right. Ended up being able to work with Ron and develop a 308 with him for his Got a signature Reaper. Reaper yeah. Reaper, uh, signature 308 for the Reaper Outdoors for the Hunt Show. And it's just been, I mean, it's we're being able to work with in this industry and being able to be around, you know, all these like-minded people and, you know, working with the charities and getting to just be surrounded with, with guys and get to work with guys, all the veterans and, and Ron, and it's, it's inspiring every day. And then we're being able to carry on that legacy that Matt left and his brother left is, uh, his brother's left is, uh, is, is, is a powerful motivator. It's, right on. It's killer. Yeah. So talk to us about the, the rifles that you have. Tell us the features and everything that, that you got going there. Our baseline gun, we're running like Geisley ALG triggers in there, the ACTs, and uh, facts and barrels on there. And we have a combat series, which is the forged uppers and lowers. And uh, we have a billeted series, a warrior series, we call it. Mm-hmm. That uh, kind of celebrates the warrior spirit throughout the ages, and uh, very cool. Yeah. Now you are. Is that the one that you were telling me that you're working on coming out with, or is we that have something different? Is that a, a new rifle? So one of the things we we do that kind of was birthed through the original concept of that tribute rifle for Matt, which we built, was kind of something that resembled what he took into combat back in 2005, but had some upgrades as if he would, you know, keep it up to speed and keep right. it high high end. As if you would be taking, be something to be willing to take in battle that day. And but we're able to, we just did, worked with the Dietz family, and uh, we're able to put together doing a limited edition rifle for Danny Dietz. That's uh, okay. Um, as close as we can get to what he carried over there. The same concept as with Matt, and it's not nice. a 37 millimeter flare launcher on it instead of a, a grenade launcher. Yeah. <laughs> keep keep it a little legal. Yeah, we had to make it legal. <laughs> Shame on that one. Be nice to be out there and shoot forty bike bike everywhere, but you know, <laughs> keep those terrorists back here in America. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so when's that one going to be available? That one we just kind of released the prototype with Cindy and presented it at the show here, and uh, we're it will be up for order today. Um, nice on the website for pre-order, and we still got a bunch of stuff we got to do to get uh, get the rest of it done. I did not realize how much uh, how much support was out there for this stuff. I should have known. Oh, yeah. I don't know why it surprises me, but it's a... Uh, you know, we did a, a launch on that, you know, a, a press media, and that it was just, it was chaotic in, in many good ways. You know, everybody came out, and actually, uh, there wasn't enough room for everybody by the booth. To even, that's a good problem know, to have. It's a yeah. great problem to have. That's people lined up to uh, see Mama Dietz and, you know, touch the rifle, get their pictures taken with her and the rifle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all the money that goes... You know, all the profits are going directly to the Deets Foundation, so it's, we're not making money off this at all. So it's, it's all uh, charity. It's, it's charity. All charity. That's right, and, that, and you know that's what we're about. We're about you know taking care of the the uh, charities that are doing good things, mm-hmm. and uh, you know gives people the options as well. So we're involved with many different charities. You know, we got the Axon Foundation, we got the Deets Foundation. We have uh, Team Never Quit out there as part of the family of brands that we're doing, which we'll get to later, I guess. But yeah, absolutely. You know, so we got the Little Survivor Foundation and Special Operations Wounded Warrior. Yeah, so. So, SHOT Show's been great. We had uh, uh, Brownells actually, you know, did a big press release, and we went in press room, and it was just full. And uh, we did, for the Matt Axon Tribute Rifle, we actually had the last one. There was only 99 made. Right. So, uh, Jeff Jeff Axon kept the, uh, the serial number 001. 
until now, and he donated it to Sal, Special Operation Wounded Warrior. Now, Brownell's been a big supporter of, of ours, so they went out and uh, actually got all the press to come in, yeah. and we're selling raffle tickets right now for it, so you can go to, uh, you know, SalCharity.com to get your raffle tickets. Okay, SalCharity.com. Mm-hmm. When's that going to be given away? That's going to be given away in April, so we have plenty okay, of time so to buy time. raffle tickets. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, people can get out there and buy your tickets. You can go to Brownells as well. Their website has it on the front page, okay. and uh, you can go there and click on it. And, no, Brownells uh, gets enough web traffic. Go to the they do. Go to South. They do. Go to, go to South. 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 Go to they South. support us, and yeah, you know, yeah. we're all about you know spreading what they do. Many things uh, for all the charities, you know, not just not just South. They do many veteran uh, things, so they're a family business. Right. And that's what we are. We're no, a supporting South from the inception. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Go to go to Sal's website, get your charity tickets, and then go to Brownells and buy something. Yeah. Yeah. Buy, well, yeah. yeah. Tell me what yeah. you want the uh, go to Brownells. Yeah. Buy Reaper Ammo. You want Reaper Ammo and or the Reaper or Ammo the, or the actual tactical line. You know, that's going to be on there soon. So tell me you want it up now. Absolutely. So. <laughs> Let's get into what's been going on with Reaper. Yeah, so today you've got a lot of changes, a lot of new going on. We do. We have a lot of a lot of new stuff. You know, we uh, you know first on the on the TV show itself. You know, we were working hard for the last four or five years, just making sure that we have a good production um, capabilities and uh, you know high quality production going out. Mm-hmm. So that's been a challenge. Um, and the only reason is, you know, after being a frogman for twenty five years, it's not something I ever imagine myself doing right but uh you know we learned you know had some uh, good foundations with uh you know my brother john and then of course doug coming in and then as we grew uh this year we ended up uh you know hitting the prime time slots um you know last year Aaron on the sportsman channel congratulations and now, on that. yeah thank you and awesome. this year we're going to be on uh, pursuit channel at uh, tuesdays 9 30 and that starts in july so we're prime time slotted yeah, so it's been a long time going. We got some other opportunities that'll be out there, and that's on the uh, on the TV side. So tactical hunting, survival, mm-hmm. and things that make sense. So we go out in the woods, stay in the woods. Uh, we have a couple shows with our charities that we uh, promote, and then uh, you know we have a new product line that we actually launched here at Shot Show 2016. And what's that? Yeah, you know, we have uh, the Reaper line of ammunition. Uh, the mainstay of the ammunition is controlled chaos in 308 and 223 and 300 blackout. Okay. So we have seven SKUs, meaning seven different types of ammunition we're launching this year that will be out in the public here right shortly. Is this something you had a hand in designing, developing? Yeah. It's got a little uh, yeah. Ron tweak to it. it. It does. It has a little tweak to it. The, the idea behind it is uh, the Control Chaos is a 100% brass, uh, you know, projectile. Mm-hmm. And what it does, basically it penetrates in. Once it gets into the wet tissues in the chest cavity, it actually uh, fragments. And as that round's fragmenting, it shuts down the central nervous system. So, and it also penetrates into, you know, the lungs, liver, and, you know, all those vital organs. And, you know, causes, uh, you know, blood trauma. And then the, the back end of that projectile keeps going. So I always tell everybody it's like sticking a shotgun in the chest with buckshot, <laughs> squeezing the trigger, and follow up with a slug coming through. And, you know, an extra Sunday punch. It is. And we, we were actually killing deer. And hogs, you know, 300-pound hogs with the 300 blackout. We're killing, you know, 185-pound deer with, uh, you know, um, 
five five six or two two three. Right. Control chaos and, and so you got a good five five six hunting round now. You do absolutely, absolutely. More humane round. Well, you, yeah, if you humane, you still have to get have to have good shot placement. Well, yeah, you gotta be able to shoot. You gotta be able to aim. Right? That's right. So get out there and practice with these rounds. Right. That's what you your scopes in for God's sake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, just don't shoot the can. And say I'm good and go out there and plug at something. Yeah. You know, but we have. Uh, you know, with all that being said, so if you have a, a you know, a child that you get involved with hunting and want to use a smaller caliber, and that's what you want to do, and now they have a round they can go to and kill a big game animal. Yeah, they don't have to worry about the, the recoil. Uh, that's that right, yeah. yeah. And then for us bigger guys, you know, when you shoot the 308, and, you know, that round is really devastating. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, it's a great round to have out there. It's uh, been around for a long time. So our mainstay and idea behind our product lines is the fact that we just want things that make sense and they're advanced. And so we're bringing that, that technology that we have in the tactical world into the hunting market. Awesome. And that's, that's along with our other products that we have. We've got Seal One, which is a uh, cleaner lubricant protectant. Right. We had Dwight on uh, yeah. earlier this week. That's yeah. a great company. Yeah, yeah. First off, it's a great product, top-quality product. but And just as important, if not more, is it's a family-owned business, veteran-owned business, and they are just great to work with. They're ethically sound. The business model is great. And their products outstanding. Scott and Brian, great guys, solid guys. I got to, to go and meet them today and talk with them. Yeah. And learn a little bit more about their history and background. Yeah, so. so we'll be getting them on the show um, in the near future as well. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So we got a lot of good things going on. And you guys, as you're talking about your family of, you know, companies there that are all together, uh, who all you got? Drop some names here. Who all is involved with, with that? So it, uh. If you come up with like a catch name for your your group, we're working on that right now. Yeah. The, the family, it's the family right now. It is. We're calling it the family of brands. There you go. Right now, Vfob. Yeah, trying to come up with an acronym because everybody likes acronyms, right? Yeah, you got to be able to make a patch or put it on a t-shirt. That's right. right. So <laughs> we'll work on the logo and the slogans and all that stuff. But you know, let's leave that up to our marketing folks, and and we'll just say no, we don't like it, we do. But we're not gonna. What we're not gonna do is compromise integrity within the family of brands. So, you know, everybody that's involved with the family brands has come in, you know, veteran-owned business or a veteran family business. You know, we've all suffered losses, but we all have, you know, veterans and patriots, and it's all circled around the fact that we're going to be ethical and we're going to give to our foundations. And, uh, and you know, we don't we call them making money off our, our foundations. It's our foundations making money off of us. Right. And that's Absolutely. what it's about. And that's why it's stamped on the boxes. You look at the accident line, you look at the reaper line, You'll see our foundation stamped on the packaging, yeah. and that's saying, "Hey, this is our contract. This is what we do. This is how we're going to do it." So everybody in the family of brands is going to do it. We have several companies: Team Never Quit, you know, Center Fire, and uh, you know, we have Lead Wave and uh, a couple of Seal One, Action Tactical, Reaper Outdoors. Uh, you know, so there's several. And I'm, I'm leaving a couple out. I don't want to put you on the spot. It'll come to you. Just Jim, no, I got you. I'll make your pulls. I mean, we can sit there and list it all. Just go to the website and you'll find it. You know, we're uh, go to the Action Tactical website. Yeah. And the new Reaper website will be out here in about two weeks. But um, got a new website coming out. Oh yeah, but man, yeah, we got to capitalize on that thing. Yeah, we got some advertising. Yeah, we got to start advertising, man. People, everybody's like, uh, hey, you, you need to have. We want to advertise on your website. And yeah. Before the website wasn't quite set up to market that way, so now <laughs> it will be, and it's high end. And uh, you know, we got a lot of good videos, training videos coming out. That will be. What kind of training videos are you be doing? Hunting. Oh. Uh, Let's just put it this way. We tactical hunting and survival videos wrapped around, of course, our products, um, you know, showing people why we're using these products. And also other things, techniques on how to shoot, techniques on how to survive, techniques on hunting, and, uh, you know, basically a little bit of everything. 
So it'd be educational. Uh, we just don't want to, you got enough videos out there. Anything about cool. snake hunting? How about, how about cooking snakes? We have that. Yeah. Yeah. That's coming. Yeah. Yeah, we just did a hunt down in Louisiana. You're supposed to take down a snake survival and cooking. Yeah, well, it's hard to get you uh, get you out there. You're scared. I'm scared of snakes. <laughs> yeah, we, so we actually uh, got this big old cotton mouth this year, and and uh, a good friend of mine actually volunteered to do the camera work. Colleagues, he's a uh, he works with Lee and Tiffany Bass Pro, and mm-hmm. you know has been big in the industry for years, and and uh, he wanted to come down. He's a good friend of mine. He came down. And he said, "I don't eat snake." And, uh, so we're in the swamps of Louisiana. He don't eat snake because he's never tried it. He or? tried it and said he didn't like it. But oh, okay. the, the thing was, when we were filming it, I'm cooking it. Now remember, we're surviving, so you're not eating all kinds That's of food, right. right. So after I cook it, I say, "All right, come over here and try it." And he did, and he liked it. So now he's bragging how he likes, you know, he's eating when good. He's eating when he's hungry. That's right. He goes, it tastes better than rattlesnake. I'm like, man, come on. Yeah. <laughs> you never ate rattlesnake because if you did, you'd like that even better. So, you know, it's all good. Snake's good. Trust me. Snake tastes good. <laughs> Especially with bacon. Yeah, everything's good with bacon. You can gnaw on cow crap and like, like they've got bacon on it. So did you guys cook a... Snake at the last sow taking bacon event, or was that just? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you just happen to run across one, or was yeah. you like on a hunt? And yeah, it was happened to, happen just to, happen to see a snake. And yeah, it was actually it was uh, rainy and all nine yards ran ran across a uh, water moccasin. Yeah, and uh, of course everybody comes running to me like I'm some snake guy, <laughs> and you know I don't like picking them up with my hands. But I just you know I I have techniques. I've been doing it since I was a kid. We used to go do the rattlesnake roundup mm-hmm. up in Pennsylvania, and uh, I'm not going to say I was professionally trained. I was trained by my dad, you know, um, but we go out and catch rattlesnakes. And, uh, with your hands? With Well, you use a stick. You use, okay. yeah, try to keep that away, pin the head down, and grab them back in the back. I'd never recommend anybody try it unless you know what you're doing. Because <laughs> yeah, even then, that's how yeah. people get bit. Yeah. You know, and I do it when I mess with a snake. I literally, I'll have a, uh, I'll make sure I get a stick and I'll, I'll, I'll tire them out a little bit. You know, it makes them really mad and, mm-hmm. and, they get mad at first, but as you work them, they get tired out and they get relaxed. Once they get relaxed, you're able to pin that head down and then grab them behind the head and just hold them for a while and let them, let them swirl around. The tail's not going to hurt you. And you kind of hold them and they'll relax again. And then you cut their head off. Uh, I'll take you away. I'll take oh, you are okay. Don't worry. It's a poisonous snake. You don't have to worry about the poison or anything like that as far as eating it goes. No, you cut it. I always tell people, cut it. You know, you got the, uh, the poison sacs are right behind the glands are right behind the head. And then, and then I always cut about, you know, about an inch behind the head of the spine. So if you're if you're worried about that, you'll go further back. So no, the poison's not out in them. Unless now, pay attention when you are touching a snake because if a snake bites itself, they do they don't do that on purpose. But it can't happen when they'll strike and hit themselves. They do that. I wouldn't eat it. Yeah, personally, hit them in it. Yeah, they'll be fine. I just let them go and live. It's like sauce. This is sauce. This is yeah. It's a little flavor. flavor. You can actually, you know, I really don't want to put out the fact you can actually ingest a little and you probably survive, but yeah. I, I wouldn't uh, recommend it. Disclaimer, or not, yeah. No. Don't recommend that. Don't recommend Isn't it. like Thailand or somewhere where you, they actually, like, take, like, a shot? They do. Cobra. cobra. Yeah, they do that with Cobra. They put a drop of Cobra juice in their venom and, and in their whiskey. drink it. Yeah, it gives you a little bit of woo-woo, so. Have you tried that? No. No? No, I, I, you know, I'm always guys, I'll do a lot of crazy stuff. And I got a guy coming in a minute you know, who may have tried that. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he just got back from Thailand. Okay. I'll have to ask him about that. I mean, I've been to Thailand several times and ate some crazy stuff. But <laughs> no, I, Didn't I, know what you're eating. I, I could have done venom and not even know yeah, it. I mean, right. you never know over there. 
Dodge City of Sin, man. You go over there and party it up. Oof. They do it good there. They do. They do. They're the same laws we got here. <laughs> <laughs> so with your upcoming season uh, with the Reaper Outdoors, uh, can you give us a little taste of what to expect? Absolutely, man. We got... Uh, tease us. Tease us a little I'll bit. Tease you. Yeah, we're, we're actually... Uh, we're going out in the... Uh, we're going up in the mountains. I'll give you a taste right now. Actually, I'm leaving this show tomorrow morning. We're going out to Sierra Nevadas, and we're going hunting mountain lions. We're going to go up in the Sierra Nevadas and live off the land. And we got the snow. We got all the things we need. All we need now is to find the tracks of a mountain lion. Okay. We're going to track out a mountain lion, and uh, no dogs, nothing like that. And um, we're going to try some calling. Uh-huh. And the mainstay though is getting on, getting on some tracks and following the uh, mountain lion until we catch up to them and shoot them. And then we're going to eat it. You're going to eat him? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to shoot him, get him, put a pit, a fire pit, put him on a spit hole, cut the tail off, <laughs> cook him and eat him. Cook him and eat him. That's right, because mountain lion tastes really good, folks. So uh, this will be our first recap. Yeah, this will be the first time we do this. This will be the first mountain lion. Yeah. Okay. That's the first exciting. time we do this on TV, too. So cool. there's no one else doing this stuff. And if you go out there and do it now, guess what? you got competition at us. <laughs> so, you know, don't steal my ideas out there, folks. No, you're going to tan that hide, too? You're going to keep the skin? And yeah, we, we, we make keep you a, yeah. Make you a hat or something like that? I'll probably make you a hat. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah, I'll put a hat on you. You know, we have... Uh, cover up my nasty head. Yeah, cover head. Your hair is as, as long as mine used to be now. Oh, know? my hair is ridiculous right now. I, it is down yeah. there. I'm not a big long hair dude. I mean, I, before I came in the military, I had long hair, but this is just getting utterly ridiculous. A.J. Hawk from the Green Bay Packers. and Yeah. Good friend of mine, I played for Cincinnati, so he's an enemy. But uh, <laughs> he, we were out before, just before I retired. He, he has an organization called uh, Hawks, 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 Hawks for Kids. That's right. Our listeners are very familiar with that. Yep. So he does an event every year, every June, and he he said, "How cool would it be to have a, a child with Navy Seal hair, <laughs> you know, that has cancer or something?" And I, I, you know, of course, after a couple of beers, I'm like, "Hell yeah, let's do this!" Hell yeah. So. The day After all those years, I tried to get you to do it. Yeah. <laughs> so the day, the day I retired, we had the ceremony. I just said, hey, I'm not shaving, and I'm growing my hair out for charity, you know. And uh, and I hadn't done it since. So I didn't realize how long it had to be. It was 12 inches well, what they wanted. And you want to make sure you go over that. Yeah. So you don't so you sort of change yourself. That's yeah. right. And, it's uh, got to be that long or they can't take it. That's yeah. right. And so this June coming up, uh, the, the next event will come up, and we'll cut the hair and uh, raise some money. Awesome. And I did it last year with my beard. I actually had a beard down mid-chest, and I uh, we shaved it off for Sal. I had a friend of mine call me and said, I'll give you $2,500 to shave your beard off, and I'll donate it to your charity. I said, okay, well, let's do an event. Yeah. Let's raise $5,000 just shaving the beard off. And, uh, that's awesome. That's no problem. Yeah. So what I wanted to do with mine, when I had mine, is – and. It was about this time last year. It wasn't quite long enough, so I couldn't do it. So they were going to do it in NRA. And something came up, and I couldn't do it. But what I want to do is get, like, a knife company and use their knife and donate, or not donate, but raffle off tickets to raise money for the charity, additional money right. for somebody that gets an opportunity. Because when you cut it, you've got to put it in a bunch of different ponytails. It's not just one big ponytail. Right. So you maximize the hair for the, for the, the charity, for the kids. So you could do like 15 different little ponytails raffle off tickets for big people to come up there and cut your hair off that's a great idea actually uh, our night company uh, one of our sponsors bussy knives yeah greatest knives on the planet right so 
you know, um, and then maybe give that knife away. Yeah, you know, raffle tickets off yeah. that knife that cuts the hair. Too. Yeah, I'll talk to them. I'll, I'll, if, if they'll do it, they'll do it. if they yeah. don't, they will. They'll do it. We'll, we'll get a busty knife to do that. Yeah, I'll get one. Yeah, yeah. We'll I thought that'd be good. That's what I was gonna do, and it just I had to get it before NRA. Yeah, I'm full of good ideas. Uh, I don't know if I want people with a blade around my head. But <laughs> well, that's the only thing. Yeah. yeah. Or you get maybe you know some kind of celebrity or you know person in the in the media to, to come up and do it. And just make person, sure. That, yeah. Just make person sure that, comes with them. Yeah. You know, gets to take part, but they're not. Yeah. Just make sure they're not liberal. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, don't talk you politics. Give them or check before those they, damn liberals, man. They come on. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> well, that's uh, good. That's good, man. I'm glad you uh, decided to do that. No, I, yeah. I'm back. Uh, I've still got another probably eight months, but I've let mine grow consistently since I cut it last, right. and this is how long it is right now. So. Okay. Yeah. You look like you grow with beard here pretty soon. You look just like you. You're my idol, man. I just need to get the patch. <laughs> That's what you need a patch. That way people don't know you're a girl. I am blind in this eye, too, so I might as well get one. They should. Yeah. You get a reaper patch. Do you have a reaper patch? Do you sell those? You should sell those. No, that's a great idea. We've been talking about it. You should do that. Because people will wear the hell out of those. I get a lot of questions about the patch. People that don't know I don't have an eye. <laughs> they uh, they literally, I'll get stuff like, uh, does that help your shoot? Is that a technique that's used in the military? And blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, if you got two eyes, keep them open, damn it, when you shoot. You know, it's like, uh, yeah. you know, so it's, uh, it's a technique that is used out there on a, for some shooters, that's a great technique to get get them focused on the front sight and you know get it figured out gradually. But yeah, it's kind of funny when people ask me that, or when I don't have the patch on, they'll ask me what's wrong with my eye. Now you used to do this thing because you can you got you put those inserts in there, right? Yeah. After you get a kill on the show, yeah. You put you got one I that's got, got your Reaper logo on it. Right? It's a black eye with a Reaper logo, <laughs> and it looks evil. <laughs> So we did a bear hunt up in Maine, and I got a bear, and the camera actually, and, I, and so after the kill, you know, I put it in, and I'm like, yeah, and so Reaper is not the Grim Reaper, which is obviously part of it, because, uh, you know, we're killing things out there in the show. Right, yeah. However, you know, Re- Reaper is actually Reaper Rewards. So, uh-huh. the, you know, the concept of Reap camera, the benefits. Reap the benefits. Reap something, man. Yeah. Reap it. <laughs> That's right. So we ended up, uh, the, the camera focused in real hard on it, and it was a great shot. And then when it aired, we actually had some people say, well, that was kind of, you know, that's kind of rude to do that. Uh, <laughs> kind of rude. Yeah, so, you know, I, I try to not yell back at people online or, you know, Facebook and all that stuff. But right. there's other fans that will take care of them right away. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, but it's a, a great concept, and, you know, we do it for fun. I mean, anybody out there that's missing limbs, legs, eyes, whatever injuries you got or whatever, uh, you know, things that happen to you, you know, you just can't sit down and, and – and just sulk. You have to just keep going, and, and we make fun of ourselves in, in a sense, but also you got to carry on. Yeah. You know, we just talk to a guy. You live. You're still living. Live life. Absolutely. There's a couple guys around here. You know, shot show especially. You have a lot of military, and you have a lot of veterans out there that are hurt. They're missing arms and legs, and and I feel blessed every day that I have one eye left. I don't even think it's an injury to me. You know, and I'm watching a guy. We just before we walked in here, was talking to a guy missing both legs, army guy. Yeah. He was blown up, and. uh you know, he's walking around shot like nothing. And he's got two artificial legs. Yeah. And he's got the biggest grin on his face. Absolutely. The best time. Yep. 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 He's, and they have their own charity. So, I mean, you know, they're out there, you know, veterans are out there doing good things. Not just veterans, but anybody. If you lost in an accident, whether it's a child, I get those, uh, I get people all the time that uh, email on Facebook, uh, Facebook me about their child that got in a car accident and lost a leg or their husband or wife or 
you know, and asking, you know, if I know somebody can help with certain things. Usually it's like psychological things. Yeah. So I put them in touch with friends that I have, and uh, they actually talk to them and, and, you know, get them on track. Like, hey, suck right. it up and move on. And, you know, and, one and of the best things you can do is get, better. get them in touch with somebody who's going through what they have and are out living life and you know, overcome that obstacle. Yeah, you challenge yourself every day, right? So no matter what you have, if you uh, if you you're so physically your body's great, but mentally maybe you're not the best shot. Well, what you do is go out and practice shooting, right? And you get somebody who's better than you to teach you. Right. Um, it's the same thing with when you have an injury. You know, get out there. If you have a you know like I'm missing eye, I had to figure out how to shoot from right handed to left handed, and I also had to you know there's other things you have to think about. You don't think about. You lose your depth perception. So there's ways that I grab you know a cup or. A, Something that's close to me or somebody's card because it looks like I might be drunk or something when I go to grab a card and completely miss They're it. Try to shake hands. Shake a hand. Yeah. yeah, I have the same problem. Especially females, you always get, you know, you're like, oh, oh sorry, I didn't mean to do that. Not my fault. You know, sorry. If it's a dude, I'm really in trouble. You know? Balance, you know, you get off balance sometimes, you know, equilibrium. Uh, no, it's just for me personally, it's doorways, you know, because, you know, you go through it, you don't think about it. You go through I got off doors. balance. And I hit my dang elbows all the time. It's because you're huge. <laughs> what are you saying? I'm saying you're big saying guy. I'm retired, and I'm huge. And I'm just saying you're a big guy. guy. <laughs> so give all your charities another plug real quick and how they can go and donate and support. Well, the, first, the easiest ways to do it, honestly, is, uh, you know, for Sal Charity, um, you go to salcharity.com. we got the Action Foundation. It's accidentfoundation.com. And then we have uh, Team Never, not Team Never, but we got uh, Lone Survivor, Lone Survivor Foundation. So, you know, it's pretty pretty easy to go to those right. those three main mainstays. Um, you can go to reaperoutdoors.com and you'll have them all on there. There you go. That's and now that's easier. You accidentactical.com and you'll have them all on there. Okay. So all of our all of our websites. Yeah, have that and I'll make sure we put them on our website as well. Absolutely. So people can go to Talking Land and they can direct connect to them too. Yeah, absolutely. Jeff, yeah, you, guys, you, you, got, you want to talk about Axelson? Yeah, talk about your foundation. Well, so it's actually Matthew Axelson Foundation, and uh, my brother's wife runs it. And so we were out there supporting her, and she's working. She's out of Chico, California right now is where they actually met, and that's actually where Matt's buried, too, up there. So Cindy's doing a lot of work with um, scholarships right now, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a lot of things on the table to think about doing. One of the things that me and Matt did all growing up was going to camps. And so we were thinking we'd like to at some point, we're working with a guy um, that, that we went to high school with. Actually, it was Matt's, Matt's, uh, Matt's same grade in high school, Matt's same uh, year, yeah. that uh, now owns, runs a packing station, a little analog packing station up in, in uh, the Sierras there. And uh, so we're working with him and hopefully do a little, little hiking, backpacking. Yeah, take, a, take a bunch of days off and bring, bring the kids and you know up there that have lost not just Navy SEALs, but just the kids that have lost their you know, a loved one in, in combat and uh, get guys like Ron up there and just spend a little quality time and get out there hunting and shooting and around the campfire and just uh, enjoy life. Just enjoy life a little bit and enjoy the camaraderie. Get, yeah. get busy living, yeah. Yeah, so you can have Ron out there teach them how to hunt snakes and <laughs> <laughs> not get bit. Yeah, we'll have men on brown squirrels, no problem. <laughs> Mountain lions. Organizations, they're not all. None of them are all seal centric. You know, you know, we are a seal community here, but we also are a joint community. So not only do we, you know, handle you know seals and their families that have been wounded or 
hurt or anything like that. We, we actually help all, you know, branches across the military, whether special ops or not. And, you know, really it's a family thing. Like I said, it's, it's, we have family outings. We have family events that we do because uh, and community events. So, you know, it's not just those in the military. It's the patriots out there. Yeah, I think that, you know, two million, two point some million, you know, there's two point some million veterans out there that served in Iraq and Afghanistan. But there's another set of veterans that served in Vietnam that are still around. And very few from World War II and Korea, but they're still out there. They're still out there. And, you know, behind us all is this patriots. You know, the patriots are those who did not serve but still support the military guys and the veterans. It's, it's, that's what America is about. You know, the nice thing about America <laughs> Yeah. The nice thing about America is not everybody has to serve in the, in, in the military to support our country. Everybody's got a job to do. As long as we support each other, you know, that's that's what counts. Amen, brother. You know, so, you know, we, we always challenge our patriots out there, you know, just support the military guys. Forget about the politics of it. Um, you know, we do our job just like everybody else, whether it's, uh, you know, I don't care if you go to work and dig a ditch every day. That ditch has to be dug somewhere, somehow, some way, creates jobs. You know, in the military, we got a job to do, just like, you know, mom, you know, has a job to do when she comes home or as she's home taking care of the kids. Those kids have to be raised, right? Yeah. So it's it's uh, as long as you're good, sound people out there and got good morals and, you know, everybody messes up, does things. But uh, overall, if we support each other and do the right things, not kumbaya by no means, but it's uh, it's just a, a good movement out there right now to support our veterans. And there's a lot of patrons never served a day in the military, but they support it 100%. And we support our patriots as well. Very well said. Thank you for saying that. So I'll be running for president. <laughs> <laughs> that was my next question. I know, I know Trump was in town. Well, didn't he do a speech yeah. last night or something? He did. He, yeah, he, he was trying to get night. you to uh, run as his vice president. Yeah, he hasn't officially contacted me yet. <laughs> um, I think we're just going to see what happens there. You know, uh, just, Play it by ear. Yeah, I, just, my with you. I just shook Governor Perry's hand uh, the other day at the Brownells, uh, you know, the Matt Axelin release of Brownells and uh, the, the, South, the South Tribute Rifle there for Matt Axelin. And uh, he came up and shook my hand after I spoke. And he said, you know, good job. And, and we love what you guys are doing. And I looked at his name tag. And I literally go, oh, all right, Pete, thank you. You know, I, I'm looking at him like, man, this guy looks familiar. And, uh, you know, he wasn't in a suit. He wasn't anything like that. He's really looking. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so we talked for a little while, conversed about nothing, you know, nothing, you know, nothing about politics or anything like that. And he started walking off, and I looked at him, and, um, you know, G.I. Jen from Warrior Talk Radio goes, you know who you're just talking to? And I'm like, he looks familiar. I guess I know him. And she's like, that's Governor Perry from Texas. <laughs> I'm like, oh, so. He came back, and we were talking again. I, you know, I said, hey, I, I didn't know who you were. <laughs> I said, you look familiar, but uh, I, I respect you. <laughs> I respect him because I, I always tell people if Texas was up north, I'd move there. <laughs> um, you know, because they have great gun laws. But, yeah, so, you know, shaking his hand and stuff. So I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm, I might be a front runner for that vice president yeah. slot. But I don't want to just be VP, man. I'm going to be the president. Well, you know, you know, if he becomes it, people will be taking shots at him, so he may have the, the opportunity. No, 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 no. Yeah. I'll, no, I'll do that in the next running. I'll run. Well, yeah. guys, thanks for taking the time to be on the show today. Uh, getting caught up with, with you, Ron, was great. Um, looking forward to whatever I can do to help you guys and your foundations. Uh, you always got a home here. It's an outlet. You need to get the news out, the word out. We're here for you. Yeah, I appreciate Planet it. The nation is behind you guys. Yeah, we know. You, you've done uh, amazing things, you know, getting it out, 
getting the word out. And all we ask is uh, forget the business side of it. You know, we'll take care of ourselves. Uh, support the organizations. And we look at it like this way and, and our businesses and everything. We're going to make friends first. You know, everything else falls in place. It's all about relationships. That's right. It's all about taking care of those who uh, need taken care of. And, you know, every time you take care of one person, you know, 10 people give back. So it's contagious. It yeah. is. Actually, it is. It's so yeah. contagious. And uh, just appreciate you having us on here. And, uh, you know, for all you folks out there in Reaper Nation, just keep listening to Talking Lead. they got a great program, Pro Second Amendment. And yes. Very pro in the, uh, you know, what America was based on. And, you know, we're doing good things out there for you. So uh, just keep supporting us. There you go. Yeah. Thanks any, a lot. Any, any parting words? <laughs> Being on. Absolutely. Uh, one more time, give your website. Uh, Axelsyntactical.com. There you go, you say it. <laughs> that tongue was a little close on the mic, man. <laughs> Just don't smile. I think you might get sick in here. <laughs> All right, guys, we'll be right back. Tactical Walls is a family-owned and operated business based in the Shenandoah Valley of Virginia. Our products are proudly manufactured in the United States. Every product is handcrafted using mostly U.S. source materials whenever possible. We make products that are simple to install, are easy to use, and offer discrete storage solutions for every room. Our in-wall concealment covers are a two-part concealment solution. The insert sits recessed in your wall space, flush with your drywall between 16 on-center studs. The cover mounts around the insert to conceal your new storage space, and it's all protected with a seamless magnetic locking system. You can purchase covers and inserts separately for your own needs or save when you buy a bundle. Tactical wall concealment shelves are designed to mount on your wall for an easily accessible concealed storage option that doesn't require you to cut a hole in your wall. The bottom of the shelf hinges down to allow you access to your stored items with ease. Accessories like LED lighting and extra foam pads allow you to truly customize your shelf to your needs. Tactical Wall's line of concealment furniture offers you a useful piece of furniture for your room. Plus the added bonus of built-in concealment storage. If putting something on the wall isn't for you, try out a solid-built piece of our furniture. New to the Tactical Walls family of concealment solutions, concealment home decor, such as concealment wall clocks, concealment lamps, and even concealment tissue boxes, with more products on the way. So make sure you visit us at tacticalwalls.com and check out all our home concealment solutions. Tactical Walls, the leading innovator in home firearms concealment. Shot Show brought to you by the ASP Artificial Shoulder Pocket, ASP.co. Now we've got, I think we got somebody that's crashing the radio show. This is like his second appearance up here during the 2016 Shot Show. Mikey Hartman. Yes, it is. How are you? Hartman Optics. Appreciate you joining us again. My pleasure. And uh, we brought him in here so he could meet uh, our next guest, CJ Johnson. CJ's with Wolf and another little something that you may have heard of that we're going to tell you about here coming up. Welcome in, CJ. Thanks, appreciate it. Well, you're welcome. Don't be over exuberant about it. Yeah. Extra motivated. It's, today. it's the last day of shot show. Everybody's kind of dragging ass anyway. And we got Brian with us too. Brian's, Brian's in the house. I can hear me. Yeah, no. And well, Curtis took Brian's mic, so uh, I can step out. Kurt, Curtis. I'm, I'm totally happy just listening to Everybody knows. Everybody knows Curtis. So. Yeah, been here before. I only like helped host the show for like the entire like, month. He's like the the official step in co host of the show. Yeah. Nobody told me Curtis was going to be here. Nobody said that. <laughs> no one told me either. <laughs> that, that's why it takes. I want you guys to show up. So uh, probably a good call. 
So, Jay, how are you enjoying the show so far? Yeah, it's good, you know. I, I uh, like what you guys are doing and stuff, like your last uh, guest and stuff that you had in here and everything else. And Yeah, you guys uh, made a little connection there. Uh, might be able to, to help Ron and uh, their foundations out, uh, Jeff Axelson and Special Operation Wounded Warriors. I mean, they've got so many different foundations that could definitely benefit from your connections. Oh, not necessarily from my connections. You know, I just I just know people out there that uh, – that have a, a real heart and a real soul, and that's, that's sort of probably what we need to get back to our nation. You know, we've got tons of people that sit around and talk about, you know, on Veterans Day, they want to throw a flag out in the front yard or, or uh, you know, walk around on Fourth of July, and they want to wave the flag and everything else, and they don't understand that, you know, 365 days a year, this person's give up their life. You know, most of them give up their family. Right. They definitely give up parts of their body. Some of them um, give, give their know, life. You know, yeah. they, they give the ultimate sacrifice. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, get that two days a year or something else on it, and, and that's it. Yeah. And everybody else is, you know, they go on about their life, and they don't realize that, you know, t- the guy going through the airport, and you, you give him a little bit of clap or something else on it, and then you go home and feel good about yourself. You know, that's a bunch of BS. Yeah. There's yeah. so much more that can be done 20, like you said, 365 days of the year, not just that one day. I'll tell you this from somebody that's in the military, and it's something that I do, and I don't walk around. If, if I didn't tell you that I was in the Army, you're not going to find out unless you, you do some research on me because I'm not the guy that's saying, hey, I did this or I did that. Mm-hmm. But when I, when I come out and I recognize a vet, whether he's a World War II vet, a Korea vet, or he's a kid, that just left Iraq or whatever else, I'll make sure I tell that guy, hey, thanks, I appreciate that. And, and the reason behind that is is that you don't know what type of day that that individual's having, and that simple thank you may change the complete world for that guy. Exactly. You know, that's something yeah. that everybody ought to be doing. Yeah. Always don't be, don't be ashamed. Don't be shy. Don't be afraid. Go up to our servicemen and women, and every time you see one, thank them for their service. You know, tell them how much you appreciate it. Definitely, most certainly, because, uh, you know, we lose 22-plus just a suicide, yeah, just a suicide alone. Yeah, this veteran suicide rate is just—it's unacceptable. You know, and part of the, and I'm gonna—I'm gonna step back, and it's probably not what we were gonna cover on the subject, but I'm gonna step back real quick as as far as somebody that was a platoon sergeant. You know, um, I've lost soldiers that I brought home from combat. You know, I lost my spotter, um, somebody that I love dearly, and. I'm going to solely blame all this on the Army and how the Army set up and, and all our military service. You know, you take a kid in that doesn't know anything but mom and dad. You put him inside of a unit. You, you bring his brothers there, his uncles, his fathers, his dad figures. You train this guy. He goes to combat. Every day he counts on those six people that are with him and his squad, you know. And he's got those people that's out there with him, and he counts on them. And then all of a sudden it's over with. He comes back, and uh, he decides he's going to get out of the military. He gets out at Fort Stewart or or, uh, you know, Fort Campbell or, or Fort Drum, and then he's out on the street. He can't hang out with his buddies anymore because the train's still going. Those guys are training for the next mission, and he's out there all alone. And people are wondering, oh, you know, substance abuse, why doesn't this guy have a live or anything? You know, the guy's entire life that he had for the past three years was wound up in these other people. Yeah. And the Army just cut him off and dropped him on the street and let him walk away, you know. And that's, that's a failure of the Army and our establishment and everything else. And that's why that... Our society is, is sort of where it's at now. Yeah. yeah. Well, but, and that, that's why we, you, know, you see all these different but this charity foundations that are out there. There's like 46,000 now. And the, and the problem we got with the charity foundations out there are a lot of these charity foundations are, uh, I mean, you really got to look hard into those. There's a yes. lot of stuff online yeah. because. My point, like there's 46,000. You, you know, they're not all out there to help, you know, our veterans. That 
you say to yourself, well, they, you know, there are all these organizations out to help them. Well, the majority of those organizations don't do what they say that they're No, it's a job. Do. It's a yeah. job for somebody. Yeah, they're to make money. It's a job for some guy that's, that, you know, went to college and some smart-ass college boy, and he's got to figure it out, and he's going to bring in all that money, and he's going to push a little bit out for TV commercials and stuff, and we won't go into any names or anything else. Uh, but from my experience, if you want to help out uh, your local VFW, there you go. Your local VFW takes every cent that you give them, and it goes back in your community. There's nobody there sticking it in their pocket. You know, if you, if you want to, you know, donate something to an organization, do that. Or even some of the stuff that's going on, you know, just like just like we had earlier, that that we're going out there and, and actually doing stuff and trying to trying to help people get them right back if in the right frame of mind. If you hear about the foundation or the organization on this show, then they've been vetted. They're legit, and you can trust them. Um, if I could interject here as a... Sorry, oh, sure, let him interject. Oh, jeez. Yeah, oh. I mean, you guys are the guests. I mean, I'm, go ahead, Kirsch. As, a, as somebody who's completely outside of the situation, having never served in the military yet, we have... You're still young. Yeah. You There's the draft, draft board down the <laughs> We have... The recruiter down the street. We have CJ here who, uh, who remarked on the, the system in which the, you know, we in America, uh, you know, our, how the Army's failing and the VA's failing. We also have Mikey here. He was a veteran of the Israeli army. Uh, how does that sound to you, what he just described? Yeah, it's unfortunately very tough to listen to. Uh, I was thankful that you guys gave me the opportunity to meet uh, with Ron and Jeff uh, before. Mm-hmm. And uh, we spoke offline about uh, getting the wounded uh, veterans of Israel and the wounded veterans of uh, uh the U.S. military to do some stuff together, you know, having you guys maybe come out to Israel and, and seeing uh, the holy stuff that we have in Israel and having our guys come out there and helping each other because we basically uh, we're, we're the best of friends. You know, we don't have anybody else that supports us more than you guys do, and uh, we're going through the same thing you guys are going through. We have a few foundations in Israel. Um, I would say on a whole, though, that uh, the major majority are, are good. And that I don't think we're doing enough. I don't think you're ever doing enough. But uh, I think if we help each other, there's going to be more support this way. And uh, Absolutely. I thought it was a great uh, great idea that you came up with. Well, I hope it works. I think we're going to do it something together, and that would be uh, – it would help a lot of people, and that's what we're here for. Absolutely. Did you find in your country uh, – how are veterans in your country received as a whole? I mean, how is the, the view there? It, unfortunately, it's a bit different in Israel because in Israel it's not a, volunteer, a voluntary army. We are – you know, forced to enlist when you're 18 years old. So all guys do the Army for three years, all girls do it for two. I ended up doing it for 22. But um, so every person on the street was a soldier. So uh, you're walking in the supermarket, you're walking in the mall, you're walking on the street, the guy next to you was a soldier, and the girl next to you was a soldier. Everybody's a veteran. Everyone's a veteran in Israel. Yeah, so in in Israel we have something called a a jobnik. A jobnik is someone who is not a fighter in the Israeli Army. That's what it's called. So I would say about, I don't want to be off numbers, about probably about 30% are fighters and 70% are supporters of fighters in some way or, or another. So if you're a fighter in the Israeli army, they, you get more respect. You walk around with a certain beret and a certain color, and then, and, you know, you're looked at with more respect. And the guys that are not are looked at a little bit less, but uh, everyone takes something. You know, we have a saying in the Israeli army, you have to get underneath the stretcher, because when you have more people underneath the wounded guy, it's less heavy on you when you're marching them out of battle. So we have a saying, get under the stretcher together. So okay. we try being a, a country that you know, helps each other when we're, when, when we're down yeah. And you guys have that as well. When, when you guys have that with, with everybody serving, it's more commonality there and uh, related with one another. So you probably 
like you said, for the people who are in the combat, they get the respect. Yeah, you know, we yeah, used to, 100%, you know, we used to hitchhike a lot in Israel that you wouldn't take buses, you just put your finger on if you were a soldier, you know, they would take you home. But then they, they started kidnapping us and, 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 and doing so that got outlawed, you're not allowed to hitchhike right. in Israeli country, yeah. by anyway. So, uh, but there is definitely, uh, especially during war, and we're always in battle, I think every month we have another issue. Um, so during those times, especially, you see all the civilians coming down to Gaza or going up to, to, to Lebanon or wherever the, the situation may be, bringing food, bringing clothes, bringing right. equipment. Support. Always, you know, and from the top of Israel to the bottom of Israel, it only takes about five hours to drive anyway. So right. we're about the size of the organization that's doing it. It's the people, the individual people are doing it all on their own. 100%. Yeah. Very different in our country. But we love you. Without you guys, we don't exist. You know, and it's, uh, to reiterate uh, right there, and just something that you said sort of struck something to me. Uh, I was talking earlier about the book and stuff that I've got out. Uh, one of the interesting things you're going to find out about the book and everything else is... Uh, and the name of the book is Carnivore. The name of the book is Carnivore. Um, you know, Carnivore, America's uh, most deadliest soldier. I don't get to pick the title of the book. You know, the, Apparently you get to pick the stories that go in it either. But no. You know, they, they really, the, book, the book was really heavy edited uh, for some of the stuff to go in there to keep Peter happy uh, and, uh, and a couple of other bullshit. Yeah. And, you know, just, just to keep stuff with that. Uh, the heroes that I find inside of there, and I know you're, you're going to go ahead and agree with me on this, is, you know, I, there was one point in time, you know, I had a pretty serious firefight going on where I was actually being overran and we were running out of ammo. I've got a, you know, an 18, 19-year-old kid come pulling up in an unarmored him and basically a, a big truck. Uh, this guy's, this guy's cross-loading ammo in the back of my vehicle in the middle of this huge firefight. Uh, I did what I did as a fighter. You know, my job was to go out there and it was to pull the trigger uh, to lead where we were going and, and to make the right decisions and stuff and destroy the bad guys. Uh, but, you know, in Iraq and, and even in Israel, there, there is no front lines. I mean, it is, it is War 360 all the way around you. And the support people that you have out there that don't have the training that you have. I mean, this 88 truck driver, which does not have any supportive training or anything else. He doesn't go out and do infantry tactics or anything. He gets his, he's got his basic skill set. He gets to qualify with his rifle twice a year. He's out there in the middle of that combat, you know, taking as much fire as the infantry guys are. Right. And, and his job's not to return fire. His job is to drive through it and give the infantry guys ammo so that they continue moving on or fuel or food. Right. You know, and so in my eyes, when I turn back and I hear some people say, you know, hey, I was just a truck driver or, hey, I was just a cook. And I'm like, are, are you effing kidding me? Right. I mean, dude, without you, I couldn't have done what I had done. And yeah. it's, you know, I know it's the same with the yep. Israeli forces. Yep. Everybody's like, oh, wow, you know, I've seen it. And it's, that's what gets me about Stolen Valor. These guys walk around with their stolen oh, valor, and he's like, oh, hey, gosh. hey, I was a ranger, or hey, I was I was a Navy SEAL, or I did this, or I did that, you know, and, and I kick back and I think to myself, idiot, I don't respect you because you're a ranger. You know, you went out there and did what you were supposed to do. That's what rangers do. However, the dude that the only thing he knows how to do is cook potatoes, and he went out there and held the line, yeah. you know, so that convoy can make it back in. That's the dude that deserves respect because he's totally out of his element. Yeah, exactly. I, I just got to jump on this. You know, I, I didn't even have the headphones, but I had to grab them. I feel this 100%. The most brave, courageous thing I ever saw when I was in all my three tours was resupply guys coming into the middle of the fight in Objective Curly, driving down, and because everyone else is in a badass vehicle. They're in an M1 Abrams. They're in a Bradley. They're armored. They got weapons. Yeah, they got protected. guns. They got they got sensors. They got intel. They got all this stuff, right? I mean, they're in the hole. I get it. Can you believe that one out? Yeah. Uh, 
that guy coming in the unarmored helmet, and by the way, he's, he's hauling something that's explosive <laughs> in an unarmored thing in the middle of a firefight with bullets flying everywhere. He's driving a bomb. That, that is the <laughs> most courageous thing. I said, people ask you me all the time. You can't shoot back. Somebody shoot in. You can't shoot back. Yeah. Yeah. You don't How even know where the enemy is. You don't even have the best intel when you're driving that truck. You know, you, that's just a guy that said, you know what, I want to help out. That is by far. You know, people always ask me. I mean, I've seen lots of people with medals, lots of people stuff like that, and I'm not taking anything away from that. But boy, I give credit to those guys too. So I, that's I had to hallelujah that for with you, CJ, because that's exactly how I feel. So I'm throwing it back. That's all I'm going to say. Come on, no, that's awesome. <laughs> Just keep it handy because you might come up with something else. Yeah. I wouldn't count on it. Does put this microphone right over here, right between me and Brian, so you can use it. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So you're talking about your book, Carnivore. Uh, you know, it's a give us a skinny on it. Basically, what the carnivore is actually about. I mean, the, when they come out with a separate print of it, you know, they put the name on it. What it, what I wanted to begin with was carnivore memoirs of a cavalry scout. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my vehicle is credited with you know myself. My vehicle were credited with about twenty seven hundred kills, something like that. I can't remember the exact number because I never really kept count. Uh, they looked it up in the museum. Um, and so they put that as the title to help sell books and everything else. And it's really, you know, I'm really not the deadliest soldier. It's it's a book, you know, and it's and the book is about what took place over there, and it's about what the crew did. So, you know, whether the crew. whether I pulled the trigger myself or I directed my gunner to pull the trigger or something else on it, you know, those kills get attributed to, you know, like the the, the guy that's flying the plane or something yeah. else. But like you said, this 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 book is. It's my account. Yeah, yeah, it's my story. You can't really. uh, It's your story. I couldn't tell. You know, we had some guys that were saying, oh, hey, you know, you should have told what I did. And I'm like, you know, I wasn't around. Yeah, I don't know what you did. You can't tell your story. You You can tell your story. Yeah, so so the book is about my story. And it's not just about combat. It talks a lot about some of the dumb stuff I did growing up in Kentucky. Um, Talks about some of the stuff that I did in training. And then uh, two of the two of the particular combat tours that I did when I was inside of Iraq, then a, a little bit of contracting stuff uh, when I was over working for Blackwater, but not much. That just gets in sort of the tail end of it, yeah. and it's it's really just a you know it's it's a love affair. You yeah. know, it's it's about it's about this big steel vehicle that protected me and named Carnivore. Yeah, that's what I, kind of vehicle was this? It was a Bradley. Yeah, you're a Bradley. Yeah, it was a Bradley, and I loved it for doing it. <laughs> you know, so it's a love story. Yeah. Yeah, but it's but it's good, you know. There's there's a lot of stuff that you were talking about, stuff getting taken out of the, uh, you know, out of the vehicle and or out of the boat, rather, and stuff yeah. that took places. Yeah. You know, one of my one of not one of my favorite things that took place over there. By and I'll, I'll go ahead and tell you the story. Okay. Um, awesome. But the, it's it's, it's, a, it's one of the things that took place that the editor thought that it, it wouldn't be sensitive, uh, or it was too sensitive to be put inside the book. And you know, we're getting ready to get overran. At uh, this particular objective, I'm on one bridge, and my wingman, uh, John Williams, in the Casanova, uh, big big Romeo guy, yeah. he was on the other bridge, and we were basically defending the entire unit. We had all the soft-skinned vehicles, the chow trucks, the uh, uh, mortar platoons, the uh, maintenance people, the helicopter maintenance teams were all behind us, and we had these two bridges, and basically the enemy were going to be coming through us. There was 44 tanks from the Medina Division wow. attacking my friend on the other side of the bridge, and I had uh, I had 1,500 trucks uh, with about 10 guys in them each mm-hmm. coming at me from the other direction, and uh, I had 21 BMPs, and we were holding the two bridges there, and the ceiling was so high that they couldn't get fast movers to drop any bombs on us. Artillery couldn't fire. Aircraft couldn't move because of the huge sandstorm. Uh, so we were screwed. 
radio and said it's been an honor working with you you know you sort of put two and two together and go well you know this is probably it right and uh i'm talking like they're not coming to help yeah well you know they can't come can't, they have yeah. to there was only two fighting positions that could fight the enemy off and they were big enough for a vehicle each and you know that was it that was our job so we're standing there to fight toe and toe and i'm sort of paraphrasing the book comes into a lot a lot more about it now yeah. uh but what this is, is the, a piece that's not in the book, right? The, yeah, the, the part that's okay. not in the book. Okay. So, okay. so the fight's going on, and we're basically, I tell my crew, hey, did you hear what, what took place? And they're, they're like, yeah. And I said, you know what, they, they can't get any support. We're probably going to get overran, and this is what you need to do. For you guys that have seen the movie Fury, yes. um, the only thing since the war that's ever gave me a bad dream or, or really stuck into my mind was the scene in Fury where the tank's getting overran. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I was fortunate that my crew didn't die. So, spoiler alert for the book. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but it's sort of the same thing, the same crew interaction for you guys that don't know it that goes inside of the vehicle that Brad Pitt had with his guys. It's pretty much the same way it is because even though you outrank them, you're still a family inside of there. Yeah. I mean, you're just, you're just sitting there. You're just a big bullseye, a big target. you got nowhere you can go. You're in a tin can, basically. Well, you're in a tin can with a big-ass gun. That'll, big-ass gun, right. And uh, right. you can knock holes in But you only got box. so much ammo, but these... Like you're saying, these fuckers are limitless, and they're coming at you from all sides. Well, they have it's the sandstorm, and, and you know, to sort of, they're really not that stupid. Uh, but when there's a sandstorm, and we can see through it, and they can't, and they don't know what they're coming up on, um, that's one of the things that really played against them. It, it was yeah. one of the things that we were sort of set back. So in. the sandstorm was kind of a good thing at, at that time. It was. It helps us and it hurts us because it really affects the thermals. On the vehicles. I mean, you had guys just, we could watch these guys dismount the truck. We could watch their commander put them in line and then give them orders to attack. And then after he got them all in line in formation and got them ready to attack, we would just coax them. <laughs> so it just made it easier. All right, there was six. Put out another six and we're good. Yeah. And they did, they did this several times, but we were pretty sure we were going to get overran that night. And, and my gunner uh, bumps me in the leg and he goes, hey, Sergeant Jay, can I, can I get a combat jacket? And I said, I said, what? He goes, uh, you know, hey, we're going to die. He said, I, the, the guy was real colorful anyway. He goes, I'd kind of like to work one out. And I was like, really? And he was like, yeah. And I, I said, said, combat jack, right? Combat jack. There you go. Yeah. There so you, go. you, you got the combat jack. Yeah. Okay. Uh, which a lot of people did that, which, you know, different, different time. In the book early or later on, a couple people would do it. Now, you're in this tank. There's not really a bathroom or anything you can go to to you well, know, that's, you know, rub it, one out. Well, he tells me, he goes, hey, I want to get this combat jack in or rub one out. And I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> you know, so I'm up top looking through the thermos. And we got a handheld thermal, a TAS-10, a TAS-10 that actually is working a little bit better than a Bradley thermal. Right. And I'm up there, and I'm looking through it. The sandstorm's whipping. It's getting in my eyes. So I just flopped down off the seat that I was standing on to look out the hatch, and I sat down. And dude's next to me. <laughs> Flogging the duck, going to town, going to town, and I'm like, "What in the world are you doing, dude?" He said, "Oh, you said I could work one out," and I said, "Why didn't you get in the back with Sully?" He goes, "He watches me. It's kind of weird." First time I met CK was ever it was actually in the middle of this story. And Mike is this rubbish. Yeah, and I thought we were in Israel. We were in that problem, you know. Yeah, Mike is sitting over here trying to wipe the tears out of his eyes. He's having a lot of shit, but that I've never seen. I'm sorry. Just, that's just too much for me. Trust me, that's something you didn't want to say. No, 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 no. <laughs> Unfortunately, I can picture it. You know, you were you did your 
survive that. You don't ever get out of your mind now. <laughs> so, CJ, <laughs> is there a designated combat jack station in Bradley? What is, is it he? in the back where the ammo is? That's or? what I was at. I was like, where did you get but There's no privacy on a Bradley. To yeah. start off with, if you're an infantry guy and you're in a Bradley, you're screwed because there's, you know, there's seven guys in the back, and then there's a three-man crew, so there's ten of you. Right. Luckily, we had the reconnaissance version one being the scout. Um, you know, that's what it was in 19 Delta. Uh, so we have the driver's station, which he has the private spot. That's where you want to be at. I mean, up in a driver's seat, you could fist yourself and nobody. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you're up there. But, but that being said, you know, you're up there by yourself, man. And when the battle's raging, you're the first place that's taking hits. Yeah. Um, so that's that's the spot you want. Uh, you know, you got all the sleeping room. You got you, you control the heater, the driving, everything. That's so the spot you want. But then you wind up in the turret, and the turret's a cramped spot because you've got, you know, it's like sitting in two office chairs with a, a foot in between you, and you're looking right there next to the other guy. Right. So he farts, you're the first one to breathe it. You know, you sneeze, you're the first one to fill it. Yeah. You know, and, and in the back of the vehicle, you have two guys that sit back there, and it's still pretty cramped. It's, a, you know, it's maybe a six-by-six-foot area, mm-hmm. um, depending on how much ammo that you can get back there and everything else to have a little mo- maneuvering around with. And that's where we had the crew back there. But now, uh, and, uh, you know, he was just like, hey, Sully, Sully watches me, and it's weird. <laughs> you know? Damn Sully. And, it's, and, and, you know, it's, it, you sort of, you it's sort of have to sit back and you sort of have to sit back and think. <laughs> There's a lot of information there because that just means it wasn't his first time, right? So, so we, we understand that this has happened in the past already, right? Well. You so just didn't know, you, you know, exactly, so he didn't know his soldiers that well. Right? Yeah. I should have known that before. Yeah. Well, I, I, I knew my soldiers really well. I just couldn't believe he was going to sit next to me when he did it. Tough one design for that. But you got to admire his dedication. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. he, he was in there. He was doing it. Yeah. He knew we were fixing to get overran, and he refused to leave his station, even yeah. though he was rubbing one out. There you go. <laughs> so, and he asked for permission. You have to realize that. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, there's there's no there. It's much more relaxed. I don't know if he was more relaxed or not. Yeah, yeah. No, he's still pretty tense. <laughs> well, at that point, we'd been up for four days. Oh, we gosh. Had, we hadn't received any sleep. The vehicle had already taken several RPGs. I'd already been wounded. The dismount had already been wounded. We'd taken a, a palm tree over top of us, sacrificed his life, and took a <laughs> took a direct hit from a mortar round, and the, the rest of the spa destroyed everything we on top of the vehicle, ARs, you know, optics, right. and uh, wounded me in the dismount in the back of the vehicle. And, you know, it had been four days, and we hadn't had any sleep. And, you know, we're going on to that going on to that point where once you stand up, you know, you, you stand up for four days like a commander does, and your your knees swell, mm-hmm. and your feet swell, and you can't, you can't bend your knees or do anything else. And that's sort of the situation we were in where we were sort of like the living daylights. We're just walking zombies yeah. uh, that are still functioning. You know, but hey, I got to give it to him, young but, kid. Motivated, he still got it up yeah. and got it out. Yeah, that would have been the last thing on my mind. I can't I, I don't know. So, so that wasn't in the book, but there's many more stories similar to that in the book. If if, if you've been in the military, um, in combat or not in combat, and you've been in, in an armored vehicle or, or that right there, you'll see it all. You'll kick back and you'll be like, "Yeah, we had that guy in our platoon." And, I remember this, and these two guys act that way because they're all 20-year-old kids. Oh, yeah. You know, they're all away from home, and they've got to occupy that, that huge mind that they've got going on. So you'll relate with the book. If you've been in combat, and, you know, you're going to be like, yeah, that's that's really that. And unfortunately, if you've never been in the military or anything else, you're 
going to probably be surprised, but that's pretty much how it is. Uh, you know, that's that's these guys that are out defending your nation, and that's sort of the stuff that they do. Yeah. And it's it's just young kids out there doing it. You know, we, we had the kids at the college up there uh, needed their safe zone yeah. uh, up there. What was that? Yankee uh, College or something? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So they had to have their safe zone to be away and everything else. And then, you know, we're looking at my gunner or, or Sully. Uh, the kid turned 18 years old on his birthday, and there was a mortar platoon that was engaging us. And I had him shoot that mortar platoon uh, with 240 Bravo, you know, with the 762 uh, machine gun. So he shoots yeah. this mortar platoon, and he comes up to me when we're in a lull in the battle. And he says, you know, that's f- birthday present ever. <laughs> and I said, you know, what do you mean? He said, oh. he said my dad never would have let me kill the people back home. <laughs> You know, that's the attitude and sort of where you get at. Not that killing's fun or anything else. Right, and, you know, it's yeah. just a different way of dealing with stuff. Yeah. And that's that's really it's what like the book say, is about. People who, who haven't been there, haven't been to war, haven't been in combat, may not understand it. Deal with it. Yeah, I mean, that's just the, that's just the way it is, you know. And it's it's the same thing where... Uh, I want to see the movie, man. Especially these, these other stories that you've been telling me about. Well, we can... The, the movie needs to be made, but it needs to have Bruce Willis plays me. Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis plays me, and I want Britney Spears to be. I want Britney Spears to be my wife on the movie. Okay. But we're going to change it from my wife being a being a, a CEO for a company to being a stripper, so I can see Britney Spears' boobs on all the time when I'm helping doing the movie. Well, you never know. You never know what happens. Well, who's filming down here in Vegas right now? Um, the born, uh, the guy, the anti yeah, Matt Damon. The anti-gun guy? ABN, probably next week. A- oh, yeah, with the ABN Awards are here also this week. The adult video. That's why I have to drive home tomorrow. Thing, thing. It's been going on a week, as far as I understand. Yeah, but I'm, I have to drive home tomorrow. No, I got you. So you got to get out of town. Got to get out of town. Hey, one of the things to go back and talk about Israel and stuff and exactly what's going over there. Yeah. Um, a while back, right after we had 9-11, everybody was talking about how bad it was that 9-11 happened in the U.S. and everything. And we're starting to get where Israel's at. When that came out at 9-11, and I think it was uh, I think it was the New York Post, not the New York Times, but the New York Post, uh, they had a cartoon in their section there, and it had on it, it had a calendar in Israel. And the Israelis are looking at it, and every day on that calendar was 9-11. Yeah. And I think, and I think because our failure of not stepping up and helping Israel and doing the stuff we should have did then, and letting our friends and stuff get away has got us to where we're going to start looking at 9-11 every day on our calendar right. uh, because we didn't listen to them. That's true. You know, I think that uh, in Israel, we spoke about this before, the, the whole mentality is unfortunately uh, you walk out of your house, you start looking left and right because, you know, we, we've been going through a stabbing session the last I, few months. I still do that. It sucks though when your wife has to deal with the kids in her hands. You know, yes. that's the that's the yes. you know, we're we, we expect it as, as soldiers, as military, you know, if we have to pay the price and, and die for a country then so be it. But you don't want the family to pay the price. That's the whole reason we're fighting, right? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, so um you know, we all in our bomb shelters when they throw the, the missiles at us from Gaza. I I couldn't even imagine what America would do if Mexico yeah, you were telling us, uh, I, yeah. you guys have Bomb shelters, yep, just right outside your house. No, 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 in our house. In your house. Yes, yes. Every uh, building in Israel is built with a bomb shelter. 
So uh, we're on the outskirts of the missile range from Gaza. Yeah. So during the last war, you know, you get like 45 seconds once the siren goes off to get into your bomb shelter. So the problem is waking the kids up and getting them out of the cribs or getting them out of the beds and running downstairs and get them inside of the uh, the bomb shelter. So we decided, my wife and I, will just sleep in the bomb shelter. The kids will sleep so we don't have to wake them up in the middle of the night. And then, and then wow. the daughter starts asking you, you know, why do these people want to kill us, Dad? Why, why, what did I do wrong? Why were we trying to be killed? And then, then she doesn't want to go upstairs by herself. So the whole mentality is different. You know, last week we were sitting at a... A, a coffee place in Tel Aviv, you know, we're not talking about, you know, in the territories or anything that they call, and, you know, just some guy starts coming up randomly, takes a bunch of shots and runs away, you know, just, uh, it's crazy, you're, you're, every day, this every, is every single day, day you guys are having to deal with this, and unfortunately, because of the liberal press, and I'm sorry, here in the USA as well, uh, every time something like that happens, somehow, somehow, instead of saying that, uh, this 13-year-old girl tried to stab uh, uh, an Israeli soldier, and so he killed him. It says a uh, uh, little kid killed by an Israeli soldier. They don't say the fact that he tried stabbing or she tried stabbing. Right, their life was in danger. Is why it happened? Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a liberal media that we have out there that is changing everything, you know, to, to fit their agenda. And that's one of the biggest problems that we've got. Um, but, I, but I tell you what, some of the stuff that you guys are doing now, uh, the new site that I was just looking with that right there. Yeah. You guys are just bringing that in now, and that's just that's just one of the things that are helping you guys fight terrorism. And one of the things, other than we were talking earlier, and you are talking about how you'd work with the Tabor. Yeah. Um, you know, one of my favorite guns, I've got one with about 50,000 rounds on it now that's still cranking away. You yeah. Know, so so you, guys are, you guys are doing some stuff, but you have to. Because nobody's yeah. supporting you on anything. Yeah, I think, you know, you guys are only friends, and unfortunately your, your president doesn't like us too much, but I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. But, he won't uh, be here for long. Yeah. Um, we have no other option because everywhere we look, we're, we're a pretty small country. We're about the size of New Jersey, I think, maybe even smaller. So from west to east, you know, you can, you can run it uh, with one stop. You don't have to take a break. Maybe you could do that. Yeah. <laughs> But I uh, know it's seriously not a long way. Well, too many Danishes in the media room this morning to run your things. <laughs> so uh, it just uh, it's just really tough. So because the guys we have on the west of us we have a, a water, you know, and on, on the south, on the east, and on the north we have people that don't want us there. So um, it's just every day we're trying to think of what we do to try to protect our families. You know, how do we deal with this? You know, and and you don't have any time. There's no buffer zone. You know, in battle, uh, some of the thoughts and tactics, you know, you try to build a buffer zone and get things away and you have time to react. Yeah. Our reaction time is zero. You know, a guy comes at you with the guy standing next to you, you know, and it's just, uh, that's what you're trying to do. So we're doing the guns and we're doing the sights and we're trying doing a lot of stuff. To, we're very good with intelligence. We're very good with uh, knowing what's going to happen before it happens. We have ways of knowing things before they do. And then, you know, when we did our Iron Dome in the last war, which was the missile defense system, that when they would throw a missile at us for absolutely no reason, and we shoot it outside the air, um, and then we attack, uh, we, we retaliate, we retaliate. Yeah. then they got upset with us, the world, the public, saying, how could you kill these people because you guys didn't die? You know, they tried killing you, and you were smart enough to stop them from killing you, but the fact that you didn't die... You don't have the right to kill them anymore, you know. If you would die, though, and do us a favor and die, then you could actually kill somebody, you know. So it, there's some friggin' rules that I don't even get a flaw in philosophy there, yeah. What happened, what happened to the, the great Roman civilization? <laughs> Didn't they get to the point where they started uh, to be too touchy-feely, and that's pretty much their downfall? I think you guys are totally too existing anymore, yeah. 
the political correctness in, in, in America is mind-boggling. You know, you guys can't call anything anything. You know, everyone's so uh, scary that I'm a racist, I'm, well, I'm this, I'm that. It's yeah. ridiculous. We just shoot them in Israel. It's simple. <laughs> <laughs> That's your PC, right? <laughs> no. What are they going to do for me? I'm not from here. If you're that upset, if you're that upset well, you're with it, <laughs> you know, you're upset with yeah. them and, and you live in Israel, how do you think I feel? Somebody that spent my entire life uh, fighting for this country and, and training to fight the communists and everything else, to have a freaking communist run for office yeah, and to have people say that, oh, that we want to vote for this, we want to vote for this guy. You know, I cannot believe the politically correctness that we're at. You know, and it's and it, I live under the philosophy of, of plain and simple. I don't care what your religion is, and I don't care what your um, sexual preference is, you know, guy, duck, chicken, whatever, it doesn't bother me. You know, if you see Mikey, he don't care. If you got a happy now, if you got a problem, you know, if you got a problem, you know, if you if you've got a problem, you got a sickness where you 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 get your kicks with kids or something else, and then we're gonna have that's a problem. I have a problem with that. That's a little bit. Then we're gonna have we're gonna have a little talk that you're not gonna come back from. Yeah. Um. But you know, if you don't like people to say Merry Christmas, don't say it back to them. Yep. Right. You know, it's just this stupid that's going on and doing this. You know, and it's it's sort of dumb, but you know, I sort of look at life like Bill and Ted. You know, be excellent to each other. Be excellent to one another. You know, and that's just that. You know, if this guy's doing that, then fine. If it's not unfair, how you're going, I don't care. You know, if you eat donuts and you're you're big and fat. Yeah. You well, know, the problem is everybody's trying to stick their nose in everybody else's business where it don't belong. And it needs to get and it needs to get punched. It needs to get punched. Yeah. And that's exactly where we're at. And that's sock in the nose for. But the good, the good guys got to stay together, you know, and that's think, right. Yeah. And we, and we, yeah, have, we to, have to be vocal, just yes, like Rod was saying. Exactly. You know, we have to, we are the majority, but everybody thinks we're the, the minority because we don't speak out. So that's how you know, all this PC crap gets through, gets by. We're like, oh, we'll give them that, you know, we'll appease them, we'll, you know, give them a little bit here, a little bit there. No, I think some of you guys are probably worried that people are going to come after you and start saying, you guys are racist. Or so people say, you know what, maybe I'll keep to myself. And and that's the scariest part. Mike, well, I, I, if you read the reviews on my book for some of the soldiers that I got kicked out of the Army on Amazon, you would think that I was more than a racist. <laughs> you never know how much somebody hates you until you write a book. Yeah. Wow. Jealousy. Yeah, and I, I, it's, it's nice that, you know, 15, 16 years later, that they, they still have a burning hatred for me. It helps me sleep at night. So let's talk about so your... There was some crazy stories, though. That, that was pretty <laughs> amazing. I'm going to take some stories back with me to Israel. Let's talk about your... Uh, you want to talk about Wolf now, or you want to talk about your other endeavor? Uh, you know, we can go ahead and talk about Wolf a little bit. As you know, I'm, yeah, Alice, I'm the PR guy for Wolf, and uh, right. one, of the, one of the big things about Wolf ammo or... or Russian ammo together, as everybody talks about, all oh, steel ammo is so bad for your gun and it's going to destroy it and everything else. There's a lot of tests out there that says it won't, but the best way to look at it is, is Wolf has 100% guarantee. Now, Hornaday is a great ammo. Black Hills is a great ammo. Lake City, uh, Winchester, Remington, but, uh, you know, go buy you a box of Hornaday ammo, some of their nice expensive tap ammo, and shoot two rounds out of the box of 20 and then go back and tell them that you don't like the way it shoots and see what they tell you. Yeah. And we don't do that at Wolf. We have 100% performance guaranteed. You shoot the ammo, whether it's our steel or our brass, and you're not happy with it, we'll buy it back from you. 
So that's a lot. Of, I don't think a lot of people understand that you guys have brass. Ammo well, yeah, we have just steel. Yeah, we have our gold line, and we're not just not yeah. Russian either. I mean, our ammunition is made just about everywhere. People come up and go, "Oh, I didn't know you make 22." Well, we don't make 22. Our 22 ammo was made by Lapua, and it's some of the best ammunition in the world. I mean, it's used by the Olympics teams, the marksmanship teams, and everything else. I mean, it's a good quality ammo, and we sell it underneath the packaging of both. Right. You know. Our brass line that we have for our 223, um, it's a military brass. It comes from Taiwan. It goes through the same trash, uh, you know, testings that you would get from anything that's made in Lake City. Right. Uh, from our test, it performs maybe clinically correct here. Uh, oh, it, it now you're going to start it. You've got to be a little PC as far as the industry goes and stuff like that to make sure there's not lawsuits or, or yeah. over something like that. For my personal test that I have done, it performs better or as well as Lake City. You know, the, the few rounds that we found that will actually outshoot it and outhold groups on it from my personal test. Um, you know, Hornaday does that and, and, uh, and uh, Black Hills are, are some of the more superior rounds, but they cost a little bit more than what ours are. And, it, you know, it's a fairly cheap round. Uh, so that's that's one thing about our brass line. The other thing that we have is is we have 6.5 Grendel and steel. And for all the guys that have your brass 6.5 Grendel and you're out there shooting that, you know, you know we've got the steel and the, we found out that with iron sights, uh, we're hitting targets at 800 yards uh, all day. And Curtis, I think you were there at the last event when we were out there and uh, we were doing that with the 6.5 Vepper. Uh, which is on an AK platform, but we were reaching out, and it's a, it's a very accurate, very flat round uh, that's firing out there with it. But, you know, we, we have our complete steel line, and, you know, everybody comes up to the show, and they're like, hey, how are you doing? And I'm like, well, you know, it's ammo. You, you buy it, you shoot it, you repeat. Yeah. You know, so it's, uh, you know, business is good. And uh, as, as much as I hate the dude in office, he is probably the best salesman that we have ever had. He's been the best advocate. He is. He is. Uh, <laughs> you know what? Here's my theory on that, and, I, and I've told this to several people, is I think that he secretly, like through some sort of you know secret holding company or something like that, he is buying stock yes. in all the gun companies. He bought yes. it before he got into office because he knew yes. what he was going to do. <laughs> and this is his last run, so he's doing it again. So he's going to you know try to make one big last you know, purse of money before he gets out of office. You're absolutely right, and I think what's going to happen is he's going to pick out one company, and we're going to find out that one company all of a sudden they're going to have, they're going to start coming up to one outlaw, and it may be, let's just let's just say all of a sudden he's going to outlaw, uh, or he's going to stop the importation of divorce, yeah. and he's going to make it illegal for anything to come in from Russia, you know, and then we're going to find out that Russia's that he's going to buy it, he's going to buy a ton of Russian stock or tie of Israeli stock on the. Um, from IWI, yeah. and then he's going to make that announcement, <laughs> and they're going to sell everything that they make. Uh, they're going to bring in more stuff and sell it, and then just before he gets out of office, he's going to go ahead and dump the stock and say, oh, I changed my mind. Yeah. But I think that I think he's really got some kind of holdings and stuff in it. To, he has to. You know, it's, it's the only thing that makes sense. It is. It's it absolutely really crazy is. the way that he's done this stuff. Because he just he goes out and he makes these freaking announcements. You know, I'm going to be doing this, I'm going to do that, and it causes mass hysteria, and people go out and they buy, and then he just kind of, you know, he goes away for a little while. And he goes on vacation to Hawaii and plays golf. And, right. You know, $66 million in fuel and yeah. for the plane and the service and everything else to go up on. It's kind of crazy. Vacations. And, you know, so that's one of the things. I But, you know, what's a good ammo? We guarantee it. If you have any problems with it, we take care of it. You know, I my whole job was Wolf, and, you know, even as I'm not PC correct, 90, well, all the time, but like once or twice, 
uh, when, when it's on the record. And I, and I speak my mind pretty much the way I want to because of the way that I feel. Um, you know, I'm, I'm an advocate of Wolf, and, and I support Wolf and, and the product and stuff that they do. And if I didn't think it would work, you know, or, or do it or anything else, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go around and push something because I don't want it to blow up on somebody or, or screw somebody or something else. You know what I have? Right. I have this. And people got to have reliable ammo. You know, if it's not reliable ammo, then people's lives are in danger and stake. Could be. You know, you know that's it's just sort of get off subject and go with Glock. You know, it's it's the thing of you know I shoot steel ammo, and I didn't used to like to shoot steel ammo because I didn't know what it would do with my guns. But I've got ARs with you know tens of thousands of rounds on them. You know, I think Curtis has seen my one AR that's got a barrel with eighty eight thousand rounds on it that's had nothing but steel ammo shot through it. And the gun still functions fine. Still holds a nice little group. It's a little looser, um, but it's still you know it's still good. But the bottom line is, even, you know, if you do find something in the ammunition, which is an anomaly, but it does happen, um, you know, we'll buy it back from you. And we, we actually lose money because you have, you know, we, we sell it to the distributor, and the distributor gives us something for it. Right. He sells it to the dealer, and then he makes something for it. The dealer sells it to the customer, and then he makes something from it. Right. Then the dealer lies to, or the, the uh, retail guy that bought it lies to us and said he paid something else for it. So we wind up losing money off of that ammunition. Any profit that we could have made, we lost by the time we get that ammunition back. Yeah. You know, and, and I mean, it's simple stuff. The company couldn't stay in business oh, yeah. if their ammo was coming back to them all the time. Yeah, that's, so, a, that's a better way to put it. So you guys are still in business. You're still doing strong. So, you know, that's a testament right there that people aren't sending your you know, back. And, and I guess the best way to look at it is, is, you know, the customer service that we have as far as taking care of their problem and everything else. Uh, you know, the 6.5 Grendel ammo that we had at the steel case Grendel, you know, we spent two years in, in researching that and development because it didn't exist in steel. You know, so that's a lot of time that we put in and, and doing that and everything. And, um, you know, I really enjoyed that testing period because all of the ammunition and stuff that they test. And, and my other uh, thing that I have on is in right. Florida, and we do the testing of all the guns and ammo. So it's, it's Let's go ahead and, and tell people what that is uh, since, since we've... That's a good segue into that. The good, you know, the other thing that I've got going on is the uh, it's a big three yeast. Basically, what the th- big three yeast is, it is a uh, it's an it's an eighty acre facility in the middle of seven thousand acres uh, that just happens to only be eight miles from Daytona Beach Airport. Uh, so it's in a great location with an airport to come in. It's great stuff for family stuff. Forty five minutes from Orlando, SeaWorld, Disney World, Universal. And of course, you got the track there with the NASCAR and Bike Week right. and everything going on. So we have a we have a facility there, and the facility is actually a training facility, and, and it was designed and built for instructors. Uh, now we give a lot of classes out there for that, as far as instructor goes, but it is designed for the top instructors to be able to come down. That you know, uh, bike tactical, for instance. You know, right. it's it's a place for him to be able to come down um, and do you hear that Viking tactical? Viking tactical. Yeah, it's a uh, Viking tactical. Kyle Lamb. He's in my neck. He lives in Tennessee. If you ever, if you ever want to come down to a training facility and put on a thing, uh, that's what it was designed for. We have, you know, we have the range set up where you can shoot out to 900 yards from the tower. Yeah. We have a fixed 100-yard range. We have a shoot house, uh, and we have a pistol range. We have 52 still targets on there that uh, uh, ShootStill.com is our sponsor that sponsors cool. it. Very cool. And uh, with the putting on that media or that uh, training event and stuff that we have there, there's a problem with the whole media, and you see this from your side of it. Uh, everybody that does a blog or once wrote an article or something else, especially here at Chacho, like to claim themselves as being medium. And it's really hard when it becomes time as a manufacturer to weed yourself through 
all of these different media companies and are they really real to get the product out there or not? And to be honest, there's probably 45 actual writers that are in print worldwide that people actually read. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're looking probably 30 YouTubers out of the thousands of YouTubers that we've got that actually get some stuff going, you know. Right. Um, I think uh, Hickok45 was one everybody was, was talking about here lately who has a lot of hits, you know, Big Daddy, yeah. um, yourself with your podcast, you've got a ton of stuff. So what we do is we take these people, uh, we take these people that, with their facility and stuff that they have, uh, the writers and the companies, and we bring them together and we marry them. For instance, we bring Glock together, um, and we'll have FN and IWI. We'll have a tour there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, different pistol companies, you know, like I already said, Glock was there. I'm trying to have a little brain camp. Spikes. Uh, uh, Spikes. Spikes Tactical, FN. <laughs> so we, we bring these major companies into this event. We try to bring about 30 companies in, and then we bring – uh, you know, about 30 media. And you're like, look, we've already vetted the media. You know, you're going right. to get, you know, legitimate coverage here. Right. So, so that makes it, it worth it for them. It sorts the companies to come out. A prime example is if, if you as a company want to hold an event, the first thing that you have to do is, is you have to go out and you have to rent a facility to hold the event. Mm-hmm. Then you have to fly all your riders to the event. Then you have to feed all your riders at the event. Mm-hmm. And then you have to lodge all the riders at your event. So for, let's say for a company for Glock, you know, dropping $65,000 for an event, it's not that big of a deal. Um, but Glock couldn't put on the same event that I did or that I do for $65,000. Right. So we have a much smaller cost. And so instead of Glock forking out $65,000, you know, they put out a very, you know. They pay X amount and it's spread out over the, yeah, the well, companies that are there, right? Well, right. It's, it's a share. It's so a share. all the companies share. So we have a non-compete. I don't bring... You know, I'm not going to bring Century and I.O., you know, to two AK companies and right. sit down together. Uh, it's probably a bad analogy, Jacob. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm not going to bring these two companies and set them down next to each other. Uh, Jacob Harmon, he, yeah. he, he gets it. Uh, so I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to set these two companies down because they're in the same market together. Sure. You know, if they do show up at the same time, they're going to be on different parts of the range. So a writer can't shoot one and then compare it to the other one. Yeah. And basically it's just fitting it, letting the writers get down um, and, work with the companies so that they can get their products there. So companies can identify writers that they want to work with to get their product out. Writers can go to companies that they've been trying to work with to be able to get their product out there. It's pretty hard if you're an unknown to go to FN, uh, to go up to their booth at FN and all of a sudden say, hey, um, I'm such send, and such. Yeah, send I'm, me, send me your I'm 60, left hand for Plug Atlanta. Who the yeah. you, you know, send me your $6,700, you know, semi-automatic saw so that I can use it, uh, you know, for, to write an article because they're going to tell you to go pound sand or whatever else. Exactly. Uh, but if they meet you there and you say, hey, I'm, I'm you know, VSO is a prime example, you know, the, the company that we're doing good things and relatively unheard as far as the company's going and everything else. And now he's having dinner with, you know, the president of Troy Industries and, yeah. uh, you know, he's with Troy, not Troy Industries, but, you know, with president Steve. Well, no, he's, I was uh, meant to say Troy from uh, Midwest. Oh, Troy. You know, yeah, so you're going to get me in trouble with Troy from Midwest. So, uh, you tell him I'm having dinner with you know, so, Troy. You know, just, just guys from Midwest and stuff are coming up, and, you know, Troy's calling up Curtis on a first-name basis and, hey, let's go have dinner. And, you know, when they we're making products out there, we're helping the, the smaller video and, and the writer guys get into publications and be able to get their articles and stuff out there. We're helping the companies get the press that they actually need. Um, to be up there to be successful, and so yeah, that's awesome, man. That's, that's all the event is for three years now. No, that's we are getting ready to do the 14th event. So 14th. Wow. So this is big. 
this has been going on. So, well, it's, it was one year for a while. This has been going on since about 2006. Okay. So we're finally getting to where it's starting to get out there with help like yourself of, of getting the word out there. But the, the big thing behind it is, you know, it costs about $35,000 to put this event on. You know, and that's money that's pretty much front-loaded from me. And i got to give Wolf a lot of love because they're one of the big sponsors of pushing this stuff forward. And I've got to give companies like IWI, a, you know, a big pat on the back because even when we were small, IWI was there with us and working with us on this, you know, and we've helped them out along the way with connections. So that's really what it is. And, and we do a lot of stuff for charity. Um, out of the stuff that we have there, we try to bring in uh, charity events and, of course, we bring in companies that are doing stuff for charity to get in front of the writers and the other stuff and smaller companies to be able to get their word out there too. You know, and it's, it's like cool. I said, it's, it's no calls for the other companies that do that. It's a great concept. And um, obviously I've heard of it uh, since I got into the industry. I've only been doing this for three years uh, on my end. And uh, ever since we got into it, I've heard about the event and, you know, from people like Curtis and Schwell and, you know, different people. So uh, I've always been, Hammered by it myself. Swell's actually the media director, and the uh, I can you know I gave you my business card, and it's got the president on it. Yeah. And uh, you know it's it's I had so many positions that I have to fill out there from president all the way down to the toilet pumper guy. <laughs> right. Um, and I do all of those, so I figure that's happened to big three before. But I figure the president just encompasses all of them, so I'm go. the I'm just got the president on the card, and uh, and I do all of the stuff from building the target stands to pumping the toilets to cleaning it before the guys get there, right. and, uh, sitting down and telling you how great it is, and then going over and. Uh, you know, and, and begging Coat to come to the event and everything else. I'm I'm the guy that does all that. There but got you. but uh, Swell's the articulate one yeah. uh, out of the group. Now you got a little muscle behind that helps you also. Uh, we met him here. Uh, helps you with doing some of the buildings and stuff like that, too. That, that, what was his name? Uh, Quentin Carter. Quentin. Is it Quentin? Quentin Carter. Quentin, Quentin Carter is, uh, well, no, Jake. Uh, Jake Boyer, is, he's a distributor in Florida for Wolf Ammunition, and he's also a, he's also a contractor. So he comes out there and does a lot of stuff with it. Quentin Carter is a uh, Sergeant First Class out of the was in the Army, Sergeant First Class, and I work with him in Blackwater also. Yeah. And he's one of the guys that runs my events and also one of my instructors that does some of my long-range classes and stuff that I have out there. Cool. So it's uh, you're going to get the concept of it. You're uh, you're going to go there. You're going to see it. Your readers are going to get the. You're going to be walking around telling them all the stuff that you're doing, and you're going to be talking to all these other companies and stuff like that. And uh, you're going to want to do a range, Jack. You know, <laughs> I was going to say, it's, so it's a range jack out there. It's not a combat jack. Well, nobody's going to be shooting at you, probably. We call it a media jack. Well, we're going to do a media jack. That just doesn't sound. Do you have facilities set up for that there? We specifically, can, yeah. we can find a spot. I don't want to get a mosquito fire or something, you know. We can find a spot, and I can I can stand on a stool next to you if it'll help. I don't know. It's a little weird. Watch. <laughs> it is a little weird. It's a little weird. <laughs> That's very cool, very cool. I'm looking forward to that event. That's uh, twice a year you do that. You do it uh, around March and then October, is that right? We do it March and October. Um, the reason we do it for the, the two different events is uh, the first time we do it in October is because we're getting it done in the fall, and we want to get the products that are going to SHOT Show. A lot of people don't realize it, but when you write an article for deadlines and everything else, it takes about, you know, 60 to 90 days for it to get into publications. We want to get plenty of time before SHOT Show for these articles to get into print for the companies that are showing the new products. So a lot of the new products that the first time you get to see them here on the show floor or you got to see them in the magazines that came out this month, you know, I played with them, you know, back in October. Right. And for the products that the companies hoped that they would have done, 
for SHOT Show that didn't quite make it that are here with prototypes that are still working on it. Uh, we have the next show in March, so those products hopefully will be done. And then that gives us our time window just before the NRA. Gotcha. So we can spin up before the two big events there. And that, that helps the writers and the, the uh, video guys get their product and stuff out there. Right. You know, the, the, these these video guys and the, uh, and the bloggers, they're, I mean, they will leave an event. They will, in the middle of the event, they will hop in their car and they will drive away as fast as they can to get to their hotel room to meet their buddy to get it posted online. Some of those guys, you know, they do do that. They really do. They first meet you with it. Well, anyway, the Mm -hmm. events like Big Three, you know, I can't tell you how many videos that I met off of, uh, how many clients I've met at Big Three that asked for a video for shot show because they say hey this product is going to drop at shot show mm-hmm. sometimes those videos you guys are watching at during shot show week were created in advance of shot show yeah. to co- coincide with the drop of the product so you know events like big three allow that to happen i mean a big you know i'm going to keep going back to you know yes right they make some great stuff but you know the 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 tabor when we when the oil when the tabor came out and got its big push you know, that was Military Arms Channel right there at the Big Three. So when it came out and got its big push and everybody was all crazy, you know, about it, and it started making all the headways, we brought that in right there. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a great place. You're going to get to go to the Glock booth, and you're going to get to shoot through 10 millimeters. You're going to get to shoot through 43, the 42s. You know, you're going to get to meet it all. Going to get to meet Corey Jones and, and talk to the guys. And, and from a media aspect, when you go up and you see these guys in the booth and they're trying to talk and hug and, and do all this stuff for the big distributors and get the products sold and everything else, and then when you go to the range, it's it's such a relaxed atmosphere that it's there. And everybody there is vetted. Yeah. You know, and I like to say it's a kick-ass, cool place to hang out. You know, you just walk around and talk to people. So you may be, um, you know, you may be from IWI and want to go up and shoot Colt's newest thing, and they don't have a problem with it because they want to shoot your bullpup. Yeah. You know, and so that's what it is. You just free float around with everybody else's stuff. Guys and girls who live in it. Girls go? I don't we, know. Uh, all females. Well, here's, well here's, the, here's the thing about the event out there and everything. Uh, I like to keep the event professional. And what I mean by professional on that side is, you know, here at the SHOT Show, you have a lot of young ladies that companies like to dress provocatively uh, because we have a lot of perverted people um, that like to look at, people that are, that are dressed slutty and everything else, um, you know, and, and we have a lot of people that, that like to come out here and look at the product, and I like to see somebody that's dressed sensible, you know, that they can talk to and everything else that, that's still attractive. Um, my event, we don't have that, I mean, if you show up out there and, and you're a six-foot Brazilian, and you're showing up out there in short shorts, you know, with your tots hanging out and everything else, you're, you're probably going to have to, you're probably going to have to leave. You know, some of the people might find that that's nice out there or something else, but some of the people want to come there because this is a this is a business event. Right. You know, it's where the media is coming out there and doing it. It's you know, you can go to the strip club later. There's plenty in Daytona, uh, but the event is to come out there to be focused on guns and to be focused on building that relationship with your media personnel uh, so that you can get larger. Yeah. You know, one of the other things that we've opened up here in the past that's really helped out is we bring distributors in. Okay. So the distributors come down so they can make sense. Yeah. They look at some of the newer products. There's a product out there that you guys probably don't know exists right now. It's getting bigger. Curtis knows it's there. There's a guy that has invented a battery charger that you can piss on and recharge your batteries. Really? Yeah. Yep. It is, yeah. It is real. So, <laughs> when did we learn about that? A year and a half ago. Yeah, the guy's, the guy's working on car batteries now. So if you're out deer hunting, um, which we do tactical stuff, but if you're out deer hunting and you're game camera and the batteries are dead, 
and you don't feel like walking the two miles back yeah. to your truck, yeah, let's take a leak on it, shove it back up in there, your batteries are charged, you're good for another day or so. Wow. But it's just some of the products that we have there. We've taken companies that have had... It's uh, innovative. I well, see Mikey's wheels turning. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I ran for me now. I do that with optics. Speaking of innovative products that should be at the Big Ten, Mikey's got one of his products. In well, here. you know, I've have stopped, you seen that yet? Yeah, I was talking to him before we got in. Curtis gave me a little, a little bit of a spin up on it, and yeah. I was looking at it before we got here, and I just talked to him about it, and and this is something else. You know, you've got to see it at Shot Show, but you're going to get to shoot it at the Big Three. Right. Yeah, that'll be really cool. Uh, so much things to stay out. Firstly, I gotta I gotta say something. We're hearing the you know CJ talk about the ammunition. It's called tachmoshet in Hebrew. In the Israeli army, we uh, a soldier gets paid about hundred and ten dollars a month. That's his uh, salary. Wow. Yeah, because it's, you know again, it's not uh, you're not volunteering. It's mandatory. So that's what you get paid. Yeah. So my all my years, I said, okay, the, the army's not paying me. I'm gonna get the money out of the ammunition. So I'm just going to shoot as much as I humanly can, and this way at least I'm taking back from them instead of getting any money. So I just shot all the time. That way. So, yeah. so and I also had the you know had the honor of building the shooting school of Israel, but I was also the guy that brought the, the war into the IDF. So it was uh, implementing that weapon into the IDF was a challenge because we were very used to the Khalil and then the M16. So taking a bullpup and bringing that into the Israeli army was not a simple thing to do. So uh, I made a strategic uh, thought that uh, I'm not going to give it to a soldier that's already been shooting with an M16. So we only brought it through the boot camp of the infantry. So when a soldier that's joined the Army at 18, instead of having to retrain him and and change his brain, we we put him with the Tavor in the beginning, and then it would take three years until I finished the whole infantry. So, you know, sometimes a battalion commanders would come to me, Mikey, you know, already two-thirds of the unit is full. You can't have let us uh, train the third that was used to the M16. I said, no, no, we're not doing that. We're going to have to wait. Then we'll wait three years until we finish them all out. Yeah, Yeah, so uh, absolutely brilliant. And the whole reason why is I'm an AR guy. I love the AR. I love the compactness of the the Tavor. I have a a Tango model that tells you how long I've had mine. Uh, So I, I absolutely love the Tavor. Uh, the only problem is it's retarded to me. Yeah. The magazine is back in my armpit. I have to reach back underneath my armpit to change the magazine. So if I'm getting shot at and I have to change ammo, I have to stop and think about what's going on. It's the whole muscle memory. My son, uh, Max, that's the gun since I got it a little over three years ago when you guys first brought it in. I got one of the first ones. It's my son's gun. You trained him on that one? Oh, yeah, and he can't. He rocks, uh, he rocks it. He can do a mag change quicker than you believe, and he's great with that rifle and everything else. And I can hit with it, and I absolutely love it. But when it comes time for me to change, you know, magazines, the stress I'll, level comes in. You go back to muscle memory, like you said. Yep, I'm like a monkey hanging out with a football. You know, it just ain't working. I, I think I was the the, uh, the first Israeli soldier to ever have a Tavor. So that was my personal weapon when it first came out. And this is years, years before we brought it to the Army, obviously, because I had to learn about it and I had to write the books about it and how to clean it and how to check it and how to shoot with it and, and all of that. So I remember, you know, initially you're looking for the magazine. It's just not there, you know. I, you're, and that became very difficult. So load this thing. And, and now in the Israeli Army, it's, it's a lot more complicated because after you finish your first three years, you have mandatory reserve duty until you're 45. So you have to do 30 to 60 days a year to, in reserves automatically, no questions asked. So you stop being a doctor, lawyer, businessman, whatever you are, right. and for a month or two you have to go, you know, do do fighting stuff. So um, 
my thought was, what's going to happen with those guys? Are we going to now train them on the Tavor that they've been 20 years shooting a, an M16 or a Galil? And so my thought was, no, we're not going to retrain the the uh, reserve guys. So I finished my you know my 22 years and I retired a, a lieutenant colonel and then I you know started doing some of my reserve duty. Right. And then they decide now this is now I'm not in active duty anymore. So they think they know better than I do, but that's okay. And they decide we're going to give the Tavor to the reserve guys. And I'm like, this is a freaking nightmare. So who do they call into reserves to train the reserve guys on the Tavor? That's that right. They, they called me in to do the first one, you know. So now I have to teach these reserve guys, which is against everything I believe in, all of my body, you know. But, you know, you got to salute and do what you're told to do. But uh, we did our best, and it was difficult for them. And But... Uh, uh, we try to train them the best way we can. I actually built the shooting instructor course of Israel. So I would love to do some uh, training with you guys and uh, how we do a shooting instructor course in Israel and uh, the way we do it there. So it would be good to change some knowledge with you guys and learn from you guys as well. Yeah, absolutely. We'd love to have you guys down there doing that. Like I said, you know, that's that's what the facility is for. And we would like to have, you know, for you to start bringing some of your product in for, you, for us to test there. One of the things that that we're doing also is, is we're actually doing the certification program. A lot of the guys that I've got have worked for the State Department, Blackwater, U.S. military, U.S. Navy, and, and the Air Force. Um, <laughs> we don't like the Air Force either. They're always laughing at us from above. We, we, uh, the infantry guys, we're running and we're looking up the f- you know, there's, that's not Army. That's not really serious. <laughs> you know, one of the worst things about the Air Force was when I in Iraq, I had a fast mover come over and drop a couple of 500-pounders. Uh, to take out a target in front of me, and uh, he dropped those bombs way behind me, and I got to watch them sell overhead and hit the target. That's not something that you want to watch in because you're not for sure how quick they're going to fall. Right. So that's a uh, that's a pretty scary thing. Yeah, we we do testing on products and stuff like that. We're trying to make ourselves the industry standard, so we're an in, independent group of people to actually test a product and come out with standards, um, so that everybody can say, hey, this has actually been tested at this individual place. And of course, the, once we get the information on the product, it's all your intellectual property, and we don't disclose it or anything else. But that's that's some of the stuff that we're doing. We're actually talking to Michael about doing some of that stuff. But we have a we have a, a fifty thousand round Tavor uh, right now that's fixing to go up to you guys for some uh, evaluation. Cool. Uh, we would love to get our stuff. You know, see his stuff, see his gear and Hartman gear. We would love it to get it into your hands and you guys uh, do all the t you can do to it. Very cool. Well, guys, uh, I think SHOT Show is closed. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> my guys are texting me here. They're killing me. Yeah. 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 Well, that's, well, appreciate you coming in. in. It's closed for you and it's closed yep. for you, Curtis. I've got about three hours of booth tearing down yet. I know he does too. Oh, okay. Well, I got a lot of packing up. I got to do myself. So. Looks, like, looks like a whole gym bag you got going on there. Actually, I can get all my stuff that you see in a carry-on. Uh, that's cool. Yeah, gym bag. I don't know about all this stuff. That's, that's all I don't know about you fancy college boys with your weld suitcase. <laughs> my weld suitcase. Hey, thanks for having me on. One this more time, give give your uh, contact info from the websites, Facebook, and all that, where people can get in touch with Wolf, uh, Big Three, and uh, yeah, oh, the book, the book, the book. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah you can you can get the book. book. You can get the book on Amazon. Um, you can get the book on Amazon if you want to get the uh, the uh, digital version where you can have somebody to talk to you because you're too lazy to turn the pages, which which I am. Yeah. Um, you can get that also. So that so they have it on their different sites. 
WolfAmmo, you know, WolfAmmo.com. We guarantee the ammo 100%. So if you have an issue with it, we'll take care of it. Just call our customer service, send us an email. The company down there that we're doing, Big3East.com, that's the website. You can go there, and it's got content links on there. We can go ahead and, and email to get information if you'd like for your company to attend there. Or if you have a charity event and you would like to get a charity event in there and you want Big3 to put it on you, absolutely no cost for you Very as cool. long as all proceeds are going to the charity. Awesome. Um, we we do that. We don't we don't pay the big CEO or anything else. So it's all the money's got to go to uh, to your charity. And we provide the time, the land, and Wolf actually donates the ammunition for Sweet. events like that to take happen. If you want to get something, turn that down. So make sure you guys get in touch with CJ Johnson, ladies and gentlemen. Mikey, again, I yeah, loved it. My second time was great. Yeah, awesome stuff. We won't, won't be the last. No, sir. I enjoyed being here. Yes, sir. All right, let's get out of here, guys. Stay safe. SDI's 32 semester credit hour certificate program in gunsmithing and 60 credit hour associate of science and firearms technology degree program can work hand in hand and are the most complete training programs of their kind. SDI strives to give you the best quantity and quality of professional gunsmithing information and tools. These programs are perfect for students interested in careers in the firearms industry or for those who are interested in owning their own gunsmithing business. Our programs are delivered by distance learning, which allows our students to maintain full-time jobs, families, military service, and more while working towards their degree or certificate. The Sonoran Desert Institute mission is adding value to our students' lives by providing innovative, relevant, and applicable workplace-driven education through distance-delivered instructions. Visit them at sdi.edu you.